What's going on? This is the Saturday Down South Podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, Gimbalki did the unthinkable. She mm-hmm. wore a pretty tame outfit. Pretty tame. For her. I, I mean, like, I was kind of expecting a little bit more. We needed more feathers as LSU's cutting down the nets to a national championship. You know what we didn't need more of? We didn't need more discussion about the word classy. Oh, um, my gosh. Didn't need that. But I will say, for the future of women's basketball i think it's great that people are that upset and that for whatever reason triggered danny cannell keith olbermann you know who you are um to discuss whether or not somebody throwing up one of these the john cena can't see me is indeed mm-hmm. a classy move or not and if it's aimed at someone is it more or less classy um didn't need that discussion. Just take me back to Friday night when everybody was on their couch at home watching Caitlin Clark against South Carolina. Like just this game for the ages, unbelievable thing for not just women's sports, not just college sports, but just sports in general, man. That was like as good of Friday night entertainment as we've had in so long and not to be ratings guy, but there was way more engagement in that Friday night action than any Big Ten football game that they've tried to put together in the last ever. So Thank you, that brother. was incredible. Like, were were you texting back and forth with your mom on Friday night as like the South Carolina Iowa game was was unfolding, or was that like more of, hey, I'm gonna watch this LSU game and just pray like hell that you don't have to face South Carolina in the championship? Oh, I mean, I, I think at that point, you know, you're not really worried either way, because um, I think Iowa obviously was also a great, I mean, opponent. Um, but yeah, and obviously, if they're good enough to beat South Carolina, they could be just as ready to beat LSU. Um, but yeah, for for my mom, she's a big time deluge of text and Facebook messages person. Like she's like a wake up the next person the next morning, send me eight updates, two of which are fake news. You got to kind of like suss that out. But she mm. was very fired up about the entire situation, very fired up. Uh, my mom and Kim Mulkey are just on a collision course for like a stepbrothers type buddy movie. Um, if she, if my mom still lived in Baton Rouge, they would have bumped into each other at a fundraiser by now, and just they would just be besties. They're they're one and the same. I, you know what, I haven't spent enough time around your mom to to feel that way. But I said in the last pod, I'm like, I, you know what, Kim Mulkey, not the person I'm grabbing beers with. Don Staley is the person I'm grabbing beers with. But I would grab beers with your mom. So I don't know. I, maybe at work. That's the thing. There's at home mom, and then there's at work mom that's at work mom i don't know how she is i don't know I'm sure she's a great mom to kramer robertson and the boys but uh yeah i i don't know how she is off the court yeah on the court and on any sort of playing service kim, kim mulkey the rebuilding job and to do that mm-hmm. in year two is just i mean second to none it's unbelievable like just to think about what that program did and 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 the fact that that it took down caitlin clark who looked like steph steph curry 2.0 basically I mean, mm-hmm. throughout this entire season and is someone that is going to be so great for the sport and in the future of it. And the fact that she has eligibility left, maybe that's the thing that we should be up in arms about instead of the word classy <laughs> is why she can't just go to the WNBA. I realize that she's probably going to make more money in NIL um, mm-hmm. and, and that's going to be like taken care of for her. But like, I don't hear an outrage about that. Like, why do you have to stay all four years? Why? <laughs> I mean, that yeah. to me is crazy. That's so, yeah, that's like the biggest like sexism thing ever, right? Because we were out here arguing that, you know, Claret and Fournette should just not have to play college football beyond like a year or two. And in college basketball, it's just like, no, you you young ladies must have a degree to fall back on. It's like with the NIL, why do you need that? Um, But yeah, going back to your classy thing, it's like anything can be a culture war, man. And it's so funny just watching, 
you know, this LSU team that just beat the brakes off of Iowa. I mean, wire to wire beat them down and watching, you know, these really controversial calls when LSU was up 11 points. That's bad officiating. It was horrible officiating. And like, that was the underlying thing of the game that I just feel like no one was talking about is just, they were getting dog walked through the entire game. They went on this run that got them to down seven. And then by the time the fourth started, they had two back-to-back techs. LSU was up 11, and it was just never close again. And it's like, you guys literally needed a triple rainbow and, like, a leprechaun to ride it to get to seven. And, the, like, the, the vibe, you could just tell everybody was rooting for Iowa. You could tell that LSU was the villains. And to your point, we're not going to get into why that is, but we all probably know why that is. Uh, but everybody wanted Iowa to, to, to kind of pull off this massive upset. And it's like, no, LSU was just a way better team. They were more fun to watch. And it was just cool to see that and see that, you know, all of the weird calls, the elbow and the neck, which is, like could have been some type of a flagrant got called nothing so yeah it was just a cool little ending of like none of this matters we're just way better than you <laughs> that was kind of the takeaway from this game i don't know man caitlin clark might have been more fun to watch than that lsu team I'm just oh saying. yeah no she was stupid fun that's the thing and i mean the reserves for lsu it wasn't we thought it was gonna be this reese versus clark like showdown and it ended up not being that but in the end the memes still favor the tigers they do they do and lsu is national champs and like i said if if Brian Kelly just decides to go into Kim Mulkey's wardrobe, pick out an outfit or two, I think we can pencil in LSU as <laughs> national champs this year. It's that seems to be the way to do it. So let me ask you one question about that since you brought up Brian Kelly. You know he's got to be kind of mad, right? Because he came in and it was like, "Hey, SEC West title in year one, baby!" And then Mulkey comes in and wins a national championship, the first ever basketball national championship since like the Helms era for LSU. And Brian Kelly's sitting there like, "Y'all like her weirdisms? Y'all like her weird clothes? Uh, what? I'm chopped liver She's here." From so, Louisiana, I know, I know, I know. And she flipped really a lot of tech, I know. But it's just so funny because you know it's both of those are some of the best rebuilding jobs that we've seen recently and we could talk about Woodward and what he's done but like you said I'm sure Woodward or um, Kelly's calling her up like how do we it's it's jambalaya jambalaya like what do we yeah. do how do I get to where you're at buddy <laughs> yeah Kim Mulkey just sits sits Brian Kelly down has an entire lesson on Louisiana <laughs> culture the way that it should look uh, okay we have a loaded loaded pot if you're looking at the length of this episode yes it's going to be a little bit of a long one but I promise it is good content we have Nolan Smith coming up the former Georgia star Great, great interview. Stay till the very end of that. A little bit of a revelation that comes out mm-hmm. uh, that you'll hear from the former Georgia captain. And then in figuring out, we're going to talk about getting outside of your comfort zone. But Will, first, I teased it. I teased it. Uh, I've been thinking about this for two weeks. I spent probably about 10 hours um, pouring into these notes, hence the length of this podcast. Again, apologies for that. If you're like, oh, I like to keep it nice and tidy. I only listen to podcasts for like an hour and 10 minutes. This isn't the podcast for you. Yeah, sorry. Um, SEC teams as country artists 2.0. It's 2.0 because in the very first iteration of this podcast, wherein we change things up, and it was me and you instead of me and Marler. And Marler's mm-hmm. doing his own thing with college football uncensored with Tyler Huck, of course. We changed the format and did this exact segment two years ago. So if you're saying to yourself, like, oh, Connor, like, why are you doing this again? So much has changed. So much has mm-hmm. changed in the sport. So I like to be able to update this. And I think it's something that, look, we – we, we try and, and 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 explain where these teams are, and there are different ways to look at doing something like this, and SEC teams as country artists list, and we're going to go through even Texas and Oklahoma, because even two years ago we did this, that wasn't a thing yet, so we're adding mm-hmm. them into the mix. We have 16 teams that we're going to get into, but 
there are a lot of different ways to, to do lists like this. And I love being able to apply it to what is one of my passions, which is country music. So um, me not including an artist here just means that I didn't think that there was a real fit for them. And like Zach Bryan, for example, doesn't really fit because his meteoric rise isn't necessarily common in the SEC at least not to his level. It's mm -hmm. like, he's, he's almost like a TCU. If we're going to do yeah. it like a breakdown for somebody like him, a lot of artists I love made the cut last time, but not necessarily this time. I don't have Chris Stapleton. I don't have John party, Eric church, Miranda Lambert, just to name a few had them in there. Well, I didn't have John party last time. I actually haven't put John party on this list yet. Despite the fact that like, he's probably my favorite artist going right now. Real big of me. I try and put my personal biases aside to a certain extent. That mm -hmm. is how much I really wanted to dig into this and not just try and find a way to weave in all my favorites into sec teams. Another thing, and this is going to be, I'm going to get ripped on this for social media. If we do a graphic and I'm sure like in terms of content and discussion and stuff like that, it's all well and good. I understand like why we do it and everything, but it doesn't have the context that I think it needs. In my opinion, I said this when I did it two years ago, I'll, I'll say it again. I know Darius Rucker loves South Carolina. I'm well aware that Luke Bryan roots for Georgia. I get that Tyler Childers, Tyler Childers is from Kentucky. If we wanted to just slap on a country artist for every SEC program based on where they're from, this is pretty boring. We can put Morgan Wall with Tennessee. Like I, I get it. I fully get it. I don't need people explaining that to me in the comments. I'm well aware of how this works. I do this exercise because it's a fun way for me to be able to talk about where country artists are in comparison for how we view these SEC programs. And I'd rather do it with nuance than just a few Google searches. So a lot of this is recent context, but I do think historic context is important to remember for this. Before we dig into it, any questions? Does everything sort of make sense? I love how amped up you are for this. I mean, amped. Amped I just want to say, too, this is like one of our first segments we did. And the amount of knowledge that I've gained about country music since then is crazy. You know, we talk about you got me into John Party, got me deeper into Morgan Wallen. Um, I like got into uh, Luke Combs and like and, and our one of our colorists uh, who does great work works with him. And so it's like super cool. And, and uh, shout out to Emily and the lads talking about y'all alternative and Zach Bryan and Tyler Childers and all those guys. So it's interesting because it, it's such a metaphor, right? Because it started with like me being like, ah, because I used to listen to old country. I was a big yep. old country fan. If you guys remember, like, you know, like George Strait, Johnny Cash, like all those like Willie, those type of guys, because my mom's a little bit older, but I know any new guys. And it's cool to like do the first list and not know half of the names. And I look at it now and be like, wow, this actually fits. I understand. So growth. Yes, growth. And you know what? To be to be honest, and like that's part of the reason like why we we do this because our opinions evolve. And yes, mm -hmm. it is the same segment, but you know, two years ago, I think we were all kind of at, at a different place. And so to apply it to current context, I think is is the best possible way to do it. I think I did this solo last time, didn't I? I'm pretty sure I did this solo. Last mm -hmm. year, last year, I did songs to describe the current vibe. Okay. Of every SEC program, which were you were on for that? But I am pretty sure I did this solo two years ago. Oh gosh, I might be conflating those two. I remember it was a yeah. while back, but maybe maybe so. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So again, all the more reason to want to do something like this right here, right now. Let's start with Alabama. We're just going in alphabetical order, by the way. Mm -hmm. Alabama, Tim McGraw. You think of country music in the 21st century, you can't not think of Tim McGraw. Shout out to Swift. You think of college football in the 21st century, you can't not think of Alabama. A Tim McGraw greatest hits album is the stuff of legend. 
maybe as good as there is of anybody going right now. Live like you're dying. Tell you ride. I like it. I love it. Something like that. Where the green grass grows. The vastly underrated my next 30 years. Love that song. Listen to it around my 30th birthday a whole lot. I like one of those nights so much. That's a little bit more of a new track for him. That doesn't really get as much play. But in, in my opinion, a little bit of nostalgia associated with that one. Meanwhile, back at Mama's, the hits keep on coming for Tim McGraw. I'm rambling here a bit because it's kind of like, all right, I get it. Like, we all get it. You're incredible. Alabama having double-digit wins in 15 consecutive years is a bit like Tim McGraw being this darn good for eh, the better part of three decades. It is uh, probably unrealistic to expect in his mid-50s that he's going to relive his glory days, <laughs> just like it's a bit unrealistic for another decade of dominance from Alabama to all of a sudden start. But man, their worst is still remarkably good. Like number one on the charts, number one in the polls good. And every once in a while, I'll catch like a Tim McGraw workout video. He's done stuff with like men's health and you know whatnot. And I'll just mm -hmm. think like, how is that still possible? Just like Alabama is still out here ripping off number one recruiting classes. Tim McGraw is out here knocking out like 50 pull-ups in some makeshift workout area behind the, the stage on his like by a tour bus or something like that. And you're like, what, how old is this human being? Like what, what is he still doing? And if you want to make a comp and include a little bit of pre-save and stuff, truck. Yeah. Is the Mike DeBose years truck. Yeah. is pretty bad. Really bad. <laughs> wow. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on Alabama Tim McGraw? We had George straight in this one last time. King George, will not be making an appearance on this list this time. I'm very selective with that. I've gotten into George Strait a lot over the course of the last three years, which I realize, yes, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm late to the game country. But I thought Tim McGraw, given the stage of Alabama, where it's kind of at right now, that made a little bit more sense. I'll tell you what, one day you need to come to the camp with me on the bayou. You meet all my uncles and, and my aunts and everything. We got my my dude Gene Strait. He's about like a 4'11 Cajun dude who sings George Strait like the best you've ever heard. Brings a little mobile karaoke thing with him. And I mean, he just serenades all the Cajun honeys. He's he's like 60. He's the sweetest. So one day we'll get out to the Cajun camp. Um, But yeah, this actually makes me think of uh, Live Like You Were Dying, right? Because it seems like for the last five or six years, everyone's been like, well, you know, Dynasty's dead. Oh, Saban's going to retire soon. And every recruit that is committed to him is like, hey, I'm committing to the now. I'm living like in this moment. I'm not mm. worried about what's going to happen four years from now. And all of them has paid off pretty much. Um, And so he's been able to kind of sell that vision of like, hey, I'm here now. I don't know how long it's going to be here. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to be here in 10 years, but I'm going to tell you that if you commit to me, however long you got me, it's going to be a great time. We're going to have a lot of fun and that's what matters. And it's been working for him. Much like you couldn't go to uh, a, a supermarket checkout aisle and for like 10 years not see something like Tim McGraw is addicted to drugs and he's going through this, this and this. And mm -hmm. people are like writing him off, just like people were saying the dynasty is dead and still here, still doing it, still on top of the game, still doing some incredible things. Okay, Arkansas. Kelsey Ballerini. 
Let me explain this one here. Um, this is this is going to be one of those that taken out of context. People are going to be like, "Oh my God, all you could you didn't do Justin Moore, you didn't do Chris Stapleton, even though he's got a song called Arkansas." Uh, this is a hard one because you can go in a lot of different ways with Arkansas. If you wanted to pick an artist who has been super touch and go, maybe like an Easton Corbin or something, I'd be good with that. If you wanted to pick John Party and say that America's country music artist is the perfect embodiment for America's team and they're both so likable, I won't hate on that either. I won't, but I went with Kelsey, Kelsey Ballerini for a reason. For a while, I thought I knew exactly what she was. Oh, you know, singer from Knoxville wants to do the country pop thing. Just these fluffy songs with a pop mix and just hoping to be able to make it big. You know, as one of these crossover artists, which a lot of people like to do, everyone thinks that they can be Shania Twain or Faith Hill or Carrie Underwood. For a while, I thought I knew exactly what Arkansas was, a program who could have a couple of years of success, but would struggle to sustain it and would always have this limited ceiling with A&M and the SEC because Arkansas couldn't recruit the state of Texas the way that it once did. But something clicked a little bit ago with Kelsey Ballerini and something clicked with Arkansas. I think they were both humbled a bit and they used a low point to turn a new leaf and become the current best versions of themselves. And I, okay. I get it. You're going to have Arkansas pushback. Darren McFadden is the best version of Arkansas. I, I, I totally understand it. I'm just saying for embracing kind of who they are, getting back to their roots a little bit. Sam Pittman is the roots of who Arkansas should be as a program. He is a Razorback. Through and through. Yeah, it's I mean, actually a little razor. <laughs> the hog statue. Like you, Arkansas, Arkansas fans, like you will never find another coach with a statue as immaculate as that slobbering hog statue on Sam Pittman's Lake House property. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Kelsey Ballerini's music has gotten so much better as her marriage was ending with Morgan Evans, which apparently had been happening like late 2010s, early 2020s, depending on who you ask. Hole in a bottle catchy great storytelling fun song that you can't not hum when that comes on the radio and i realized a lot of people listening to this don't listen to country radio youtube that one great song little bit of a throwback type feel to it half of my hometown with kenny chesney was the rare mm -hmm. song that i didn't like at first and then it grew on me and it grew on me and now if that comes on i'm singing that even at heart first which like not really trying to do too much kind of a carefree whimsical song i actually love that it's got production, all that stuff. But unlike some of her early country stuff, I think it's just good, easy listening instead of pop music that's being forced into country radio because of where she came from and who she signed a record deal with. And while she's probably still going to have some of these moments and I'm not going to love everything that she does, I feel like this version of Kelsey Ballerini is the best version of her. I think with Sam Pittman, this is my favorite, most likable version of Arkansas. Arkansas, not that long ago, I thought was one of the most brutal power five jobs in America. Bielema got chewed up and spit out. Chad Morris didn't even get chewed. He just got spit out. And when the market dictated that Sam Pittman was the best person for the job, a guy that didn't have coordinator experience, I admittedly was like, wow, that's humbling, but I'm not necessarily surprised. What Arkansas got was a guy who totally turned around the perception of the program. He was genuine. He was himself. And he never felt like a tryhard. So, yeah, I know that's not an exact comp, but that's why I settled on Kelsey Ballerini, because sometimes hitting rock bottom, maybe personally for you, allows you to become the best version of yourself. Does that make sense? Because that one's going to get ripped apart in the graphic. I'm fully I'm fully prepared for that. No, yeah, I mean that's that's why like this is your wheelhouse, man. Because I would never think about that, but after you explain it, I'm like, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. 
Okay, let's move on. We we got a lot lot more that we're going to really dig into, including this one. Auburn, Morgan Wallen. Again, I am well aware that Morgan Wallen has written roughly 48 songs about Tennessee football. I think he's hit his limit. Let's not let Morgan Wallen write any more songs about Tennessee football. Let's let's mm-hmm. dial it back on that. We get it. We fully get it. You had me by halftime. Great early Morgan Wallen song. Love that song. Okay, really good. Um, but this isn't about that. That's not what this is about. This is about two things that at their best, they are incredible. Their peak is as good as there is. Auburn's peak is national championships, undefeated season. Ronnie and Cadillac, Cam, kick six, must-see stuff. Morgan Wallen, his peak, whiskey glasses, seven summers, chasing you, the the way I talk, which is just a touch awkward now with the recent events that have played out, but that's an early Morgan Wallen song that is an absolute banger. This leads me to the other part of this. Both Auburn and Morgan Wallen do things that make their incredibly loyal Die-hard fans just super uncomfortable about supporting them at times. Auburn, Jetgate, totally not paying Cam all that money and getting away with it. Organizing a coup to get Brian Harson fired. Hiring Hugh Freeze. Morgan Wallen, getting arrested for public intox at Kid Rock's bar. Dropping an N-bomb to address a friend and being on video. Making out with a bunch of girls at Alabama at the peak of COVID and then getting axed on Saturday Night Live because of it. Doing all... Of that right before he was about to go see the mother of the mother uh, and, and his and his the mother of his child and his child. All that stuff came out right before that. And then that went viral. In some ways, Auburn is like the program with nine lives who can overcome any sort of setback and find a way to just kind of bounce back and do something insanely good. That's kind of who Morgan Wallen is. He's setting a ton of streaming records right now. By the time I'm I'm done saying this sentence, he probably released some 56-song quadruple album that'll have like 10 or 11 tracks that are just absolute hits. That's the other part of this. He has some absolute duds, just some absolute <laughs> terrible songs. Why Morgan Wallen needs to have these snap track songs, I don't know. And if I you bet don't you know hate what, Broadway Girl. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what a snap track song is, which he's got a couple of songs on the radio right now with snap tracks um, last night, which is getting played on mainstream radio because it has a snap track in the background and you can't unhear that snap every single time. You're just like, you, you're so talented. You don't need to be doing that. It's gimmicky. It's what people are so frustrated by in this industry. Why Auburn needs to have five and seven seasons with that passion of a fan base and that good of a recruiting ground. I don't know. But ultimately, you always feel like they're undoing Auburn, Morgan Wallen. You feel like it's always self-inflicted. Morgan Wallen hasn't been canceled permanently because he's wildly talented. And Auburn is never going to just go away, despite the fact that they feel like they're always some wild story that's waiting to happen. They bounce back from the dead trees, man. They bounce back from that. Okay. They can overcome anything. Honestly, you could tell people, Hey, Morgan Wallen just drowned a bunch of puppies and said that he's anti-dog. And you look up and be like, Oh yeah, he's still number one on Spotify. Like that could happen. That would not surprise me. One other thing you can make the case. And I left this out on purpose. You could make the case that Morgan Wallen's best song ever is cover me up, which is a Jason Isbell cover. Ironically enough, Mm -hmm. you can make the case that Auburn's best player ever is Cam Newton who was a transfer, who was clearly developed at Florida and in Juco before turning into what he ultimately became at Auburn. So just interesting couple wrinkles. Some people in the comments are going to be like, hey, Bo Bo is the best player at Auburn history. How dare you say anything like that? Morgan Wallen, Auburn, that seems fitting. 
No, yeah, that's actually again perfect when you explain it. Like the peaks and the valleys, the fact that like it's like you want to root for this thing, but it just keeps f- stepping on rakes, and you're just like, bro, can we not? Can you not just be cool? Like you hear him in interviews, you hear him on like you know Caleb Presley and everything, and he sounds so genuine, and you're like, I you know like, this guy, I want good things to happen to him, but then he just does anything else and you're like dude stop stop like you're making us look bad because i want to support you and like yeah but to your point it's that's the part of it is like yeah i mean so many people online that are not invested want it to fail and be like oh well you know morgan wallen all the football you know they they're they're never going to recover from this and yet here we go you know they got this number one album you got Hugh freeze and they're still here uh and so it ends up that the loyal fan base is stuck by them because they've done enough to keep those people loyal yeah. Um, again, that that one is why one of the reasons why I wanted to do an update of this, because last time we did this, Morgan Wall and I had for Georgia and I was like, so talented, but they're just always going to find a way to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Of course, things have have changed. We're not quite at Georgia just yet. We're at Florida for Florida. Toby Keith. Don't do the thing. Why you tell me what you tell me? Oh, yeah, he's a diehard Oklahoma fan. I know I'm, I'm well aware. This is not a how do you like me now reference today. This is not that. This is a man, I'm really worried about you reference. Yeah. In Florida's heyday, whether that was mid-90s Spurrier, late 2000s Urban, I always thought I'm actually amazed when elite recruits don't pick Florida because how could they not want to go play there? In in Toby Keith's heyday, I would always think to myself like, if, if you're trying to become a country star, yeah, like be yourself, all that, I get it. But how could you not imitate Toby Keith to a certain extent? He seems like the poster child for the person that you would want to emulate in everything that you do, whether you're trying to or not. Booming voice. He's got the soul to do the ballads. He can do the upbeat songs. Next to Devil Went Down to Georgia, I want to talk about me, which was supposed to be a Blake Shelton single, and then Toby Keith ended up getting it. Um that is like as out of breath as one can be while singing along to a country song. Like that, mm-hmm. that is it right there. All time song though. Um, I've been everywhere by Johnny cash honorable mention. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's really <laughs> good. Crap. There's probably going to be like 10 that people come up with. And they're just going to like rattle off like Connor. How do you not think of that? Um, the Toby Keith set list is still so good. It is, but unlike mm-hmm. Tim McGraw who can still hit 95 on the black on occasion, I feel like Toby Keith was throwing BP fastballs basically every year since Red Solo Cup. Saw him in concert about eight years ago. He was in rough shape. Like, I'll be honest, I've never seen someone that drunk trying to perform. I mean, in front of tens of thousands of people, and you're just kind of like, man, this, I I don't know how this is going to turn out, but you need some help. You do. It was bad. Saw him in person on the field at the Peach Bowl in 2019. Didn't look great there either that day. Not to cast, you know, not to judge too much here, but I was like, eh, you know what? Doesn't really look like a guy that wants to be in the mix with people and it has a big old smile on his face all the time. And now with his latest cancer diagnosis, I am worried about Toby Key. He's trying to come back. Easier said than done. Really wishing the best for him because I would love to see him kind of fade off into the sunset and have this this thing where he can just play at all these festivals and he's still this massive draw. Um, not saying that I hope he goes like full Tim McGraw, but I just don't know when he gets better. That's kind of how I feel about Florida right now. 
They're mm-hmm. trying to come back, but that is easier said than done, especially if your massive investment into the support staff isn't netting the results that you thought it would with NIL. Again, it's still very early. We're still so young in this process. What, like 16 months into this entire model that Billy Napier put together, but still you're not feeling great about it. It's weird because Napier and Toby Keith seem like totally opposite human beings who would attack failure in very different ways. Yeah. But to borrow another Toby Keith song, as you have brought up on this here podcast before, I ain't as good as I once was. Might be a little bit too literal for Toby Keith and Florida. Side mm-hmm. note, we're going to have all the, the most Instagram comments will be about this one, about oh, yeah. Toby Keith is an Oklahoma fan. Connor, you're an idiot. Why didn't you do your homework on this? Trust me, I did more homework than you. Yeah, Connor, not doing so work is a pretty funny diss. It's like when they called me a Yankee. It's like, can we just skip to the next one? I would rather just address whatever you have next to say. Yeah. But yeah, I think you ever think there's just a day in practice where like uh, you know, guys are getting cut from like all kinds of stuff and you know, everyone's gassed and the team looks bad and, and uh Billy Napier just throws his head back and just thinks, I should have been a cowboy. <laughs> Anywhere but here. No, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's great. It's like, yeah, like you said, like you see it, like there's a lot of obstacles, but the 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 stuff is there. Like the 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 building blocks are there, but it's very different from Morgan Wallen because Morgan Wallen will still give you that every once in a while. He'll still remind you. With Florida, it's a lot of hoping. It's a lot of hopium. It's a lot of like, okay, well, hey, we all remember that era. We all remember like that, like, and, and like hopefully we can bring it back and they have all the tools, but they just kind of can't get out of their own way. And obviously the cancer thing is a whole separate situation, obviously, but it's like, up until that it was kind of more self-inflicted red solo cup still plays too by the way honestly that song slaps i was thinking about like like just anthems of like every genre and that one's up there for uh yeah for about three months in college that song was just in my head non-stop mm-hmm. like could not get it out if i wanted to had moments where i'm like i i need to listen to something else for two hours just so that red solo cup will not be in my head when my head hits the pillow but that mm-hmm. was still next to impossible to do. Um, okay, Georgia. Luke Combs. Hit after hit after hit. Title after title after title. Or at least that's what it looks like right now. All Kirby wants to do is eat. All Luke wants to do is climb the charts. Just released a new album, Getting Old. Haven't heard all of it. I listened to like two-thirds of it over the weekend. Uh, it's the other half of his growing up album, put it together, 30 song thing. That's what everybody's kind of doing now. Uh, think about this. Is there anyone running hotter than Luke Combs right now in country music? He is my age and he's playing at football stadiums. He yeah. is like, he is as good as there is in country music. He is so relatable. He is absurdly talented. If you're a country artist and you got to just transplant yourself into someone else's career right now, it's Luke Combs and it's not close. And I get it. Like people be like, oh, he's like a huskier guy. I'd rather be like Jack or something. No, no, no. I'm just saying like in terms of his career. What's wrong with that big dog? There's nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not shaming anybody. That's what I don't like about Luke Combs. He's a little bit husky, bro. If I had his voice, I'd be happily huskier than me. Dude, Luke, Luke Combs doing just fine for himself. Yeah. But yes, you would instantly want to step into his shoes, his boots, whatever you want to call it. The profit, the the prevailing oh is oh, so same thing with Georgia though like that's mm-hmm. if you were a college football fan and you just got to transplant yourself into someone else's program right now it's Georgia and it's not close the the thought that i keep coming back to is wow Luke Combs can be doing this for a long time Kirby Smart can be doing this for a long time 
You mm-hmm. love the way that they're wired. You love that they never really seem satisfied. Luke Combs isn't doing the whole Luke Bryan thing where he just craps out singles that were written by other people and they have zero substance to them. Luke Combs is at least the co-writer on every single song on his new album. That's the other thing that's so admirable. Luke Combs isn't just out here writing party anthems. I mean, let's let's be real. Beer never broke my heart. I mean, what yeah. like that is maybe the most perfect country concert song possible. And if you've never heard him play it at a summer country concert, might I suggest you do that? It's oh awesome. yeah, that's it on is. the list for sure. Yeah, one too many, Brooks and Dunn. First time I heard that, I was like. This man gets it. And anyone listening to this, if you've if you've lost your dad and you've dealt with, you know, loss in your life, even though I'm leaving is all time. Seeing me now on his new album, go listen to that one too. You want to get in the feelings, man. That guy just hits the soul. Like he can write these romance ballads that are just so good. And the kind of love we make one of my favorite songs from last year, even his single going, going gone spot on Luke Holmes does it in a variety of ways. What did we praise Georgia for last year? Really the last uh, more so last year than even 2021, they can beat you in so many ways. That's been the transformation. Sure. Georgia's DNA lights out defense, just like Luke Combs's DNA is making that smash hit party song that doesn't feel gimmicky at all because he's so talented. He's got, you know, he's got the steel guitar in there and it's just this like this powerful, like he's not doing the snap track stuff or anything like that, but their ability, Georgia's and Luke Combs, their ability to diversify is when they all made us step back and go, whoa, we are watching something special here. Like I said before, two years ago when I did this, this was not the match. I actually, Luke Holmes, I had for AM. And mm. I said at the time, all the talent is there. And I'm confident that he's about to go on a run, just cranking out all these smash hit singles. Again, I was forecasting maybe a little bit too much for AM coming off of the 2020 season. But sure enough, that's exactly what happened with Luke Gomes. And look what's happened with Georgia. They have started their run of national titles. I felt good about that one. Well, at least A&M still relates to going, going, gone. Um, no, but anyway. So, so, no, I mean, the cool thing about that that works with Georgia too, right, is that he has a little bit of a like a Mike Jones story, right? That it's like his earlier stuff is a little bit like softer, sadder. And then there's kind of this shift in his career where it's like, okay, like kind of like now I'm famous. And he's like, yeah, I've always kind of been the sweet boy. Yeah, I already just had this. But he kind of talks about like, yeah, these people that have doubted me thought I was kind of chubby, thought I wasn't going to make it. And he kind of like shouts that out in some of his songs. And he's just like, yeah, like you kind of missed your chance to get on the boat. And like, that's where Georgia is right now. Like where people were like making jokes about them and saying like, oh, you guys are fine but you're not great that's exactly where luke combs was you know you have this meteoric rise over the last couple of years like from where he was fine or he's fine artist but then it was like number one hit number one hit number one hit and like that's exactly where george is they finally put it all together and now it's like yeah like if you didn't ride the bus back then if you weren't dealing with all the jokes if you weren't dealing with girls calling luke combs chubby then you're not here right now and you know you talk about the the kind of the a tier right in terms of guys that are like selling stadiums probably um it's probably zach bryan morgan wallen and luke combs and to exactly your point right Zach Bryan, very like, uh, it was like super emotional, sad, like crying on tracks. Morgan Wallen's had like his, you know, like we talked about, brushes with the law, brushes with controversy. Out of the three, Luke Combs is very clearly the one that you would want to be. That's the kind of guy that, you know, one day you would want your daughter to date. That is like just a wholesome, chunky, good old boy. And he hasn't had to. And not that there's any, I love those other two guys as well. Not that there's anything wrong with dipping into that, but the fact that he has kept it kind of PG and kept it like cool and relatable, it's like that, that kind of, 
that's that's the best place to be. Like you said, that's the career you want to switch with because it's you know you throw on like you throw on a Zach Bryan song and like you won't want to listen to some of that with your parents, right? I like said my mom Luke Combs song the other day. And she was like, "This is great." Yeah, I so relatable. Like mm-hmm. the most relatable person, and you know it's funny to think. I guess when he was out here just on Vine trying to mm-hmm. blow up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, it was on Vine. He was a Vine star. Georgia was out here losing to Vandy in year one mm-hmm. with Kirby. So like. You know, the, th- the way that things have changed and the way that those two have just kind of their rises have have coincided, I think it makes you step back and be like, whoa, this is we're 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 seeing history in the making. That's a cliche thing to throw out there. But anytime you talk about those two and what they are currently doing and how much more it feels like they can still accomplish in right. their careers with their respective runs, it feels like that is an accurate assessment for where they are kind of at right now. Okay. Um, I thought about this one. This was the toughest one for me to figure out. This was, and I I went back and forth like three or four, and I'm probably going to upset some people with this one for Kentucky. I went with Joe Nichols. Okay. I think it's difficult to settle on one because Kentucky is many things. It's a program that I really respect. They've been really good to me. And while I think I've still been critical of, of the program, I do often find myself in positions where I'm kind of banging the drum for them. Um, and I sort of default to, do we not appreciate how hard it is to do what Mark Stoops did at the worst program in the SEC when he arrived and how he actually became one of the conference's better programs in the last five years? I think any anybody that's looking at 2018 through 2022, you would say, yes, Kentucky is one of the SEC's better programs. But I think Kentucky often lacks respect on the outside because mm-hmm. it doesn't string these great seasons together. The last time that Kentucky won nine games in consecutive seasons – guy by the name of Bear Bryant was running the show. It's been, yeah. a, I mean, that's just consecutive nine win seasons. That's what we're talking about here. I often find myself banging the drum for Joe Nichols. And I'm like, man, why doesn't that guy get more respect? He's got a great kind of timeless sound. I thought he was excellent live back when I saw him. I saw him country thunder 2013. Don't people appreciate how hard it is to be doing this as long as he's been doing it. I mean, the impossible came out like, 2003 tequila makes her clothes fall off that was like 2005 give me that girl which is a little bit more gimmicky but still like 2010 sunny in 75 uh, good day for living that's his current single that's out right now he's been making hits on country radio for the last two decades but he's never had an album where he just ripped off like four consecutive chart toppers he's not a fixture at these award shows i never hear a thing when he drops an album and it's not that it's not that it's by any means someone that like only country hipsters know that's not necessarily the case but he's at least getting on the radio he's just one of those guys that if you don't listen to country you really don't know at all in my opinion how good he is if you don't follow college football you don't know why it's so impressive what mark stoops has done and how hard it is to continue to be doing this in a conference that chews up coaches and spits them out and really at a place that like before he arrived, that's what Kentucky was doing too. They were chewing up coaches. They were spitting them out. We do this weird thing sometimes in country music or in college football where if someone doesn't have this number one hit upside or if they don't have national championship potential, we kind of allow them to just get lost in the shuffle. I think Joe Nichols and Kentucky are both better than they get credit for. And if you see them both live, I think you'll actually leave being like, wow, my expectations were definitely surpassed. Mm-hmm. So a weird one, one that I went back and forth on, but I think that still makes sense. And that comp is still legit. 
I think they're too, he's too happy to be a Mark Stoops team. I think that <laughs> I think I don't know if Mark Stoops has ever had a good day for living. I, <laughs> good I think, point. I, uh, good point. I, see, for them, this is one that's like, oh, he's from there. Kind of like Tyler Childers. Kind of like that little bit I didn't of like. I want to default yeah, to that. You know, like that. I can't even do his his voice. I can't even try. But like, just like wake. I could. I could see like. Um. I could see that being his like ringtone when he wakes up in the morning at four a.m. and just like freaking like talking about mining coal and like like hidden pads and like just it sounds like freaking like that. It like there's there's a there's a a a bit of what's the word I could. It's like ruggedness. It's like pain. There's like a yeah, little like bit blue of collar. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Freaking yeah. There's like a blue collar blue. Collar Color, um element to Kentucky and like like I said I see what you're saying from a success standpoint I don't, I don't hate that but I think the vibe like like that like Stoops like almost in the way that we talked about like a Zach Bryan like almost like weaponizes the, the 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 I hate to say the pain but it's like okay like there's all these haters there's all this doubt like let's get all in here so like that's my only disagreement but I see where you're coming from because it's off the board it's a little bit niche it's like you never really think about it until it's right in front of your face you're like oh duh like yeah yeah, that and I struggle with that. And I again, like, I don't want to default to like what somebody sings about because that's not really the point mm-hmm. of this exercise. But but you're right. I mean, there is something that's a little bit rugged, something that's a little bit more unconventional that you kind of have to know about. That makes perfect sense. There, I have no problem with that whatsoever. We're trying to provide a little bit of nuance. That's why I went in that direction. I'm sorry, I'm trying to not die laughing at this next one. Go ahead. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you into this one. I promise, I'm gonna talk you into this one. Carly Pierce for LSU. Winning the breakup. Okay. How does LSU always win the breakup? LSU goes from Jerry Donardo to yeah, Jerry Donardo. What? Gary Donardo. Yeah. 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 Um, to Nick Saban, who wins the title in year four. Then Saban goes from LSU to the Dolphins. Les Miles steps in, casually leads LSU to a title in year three. Then Ed Odron replaces Les Miles, also wins a title in year three. Then Odron to Brian Kelly, who just steps in and beats Bama year one and wins the SEC West. LSU does breakups better than any program in America, and it's not even close, okay? Carly Pierce just did this breakup better than anyone in country music, and that includes the Blake and Miranda thing, both of whom were super meh kind of right after they broke up. Carly Pierce, if you don't know the backstory, was married to fellow country music music artist Michael Ray. Marriage lasted eight months. Rumors uh, that he cheated on her were widely reported. Since then, my girl's on a tear. My woman, not girl, woman. Mm-hmm. What he didn't do is one of my favorite songs of the last few years because it's equal parts subtle and savage, which I think is such a hard thing to do. She wrote this entire song in an afternoon, wrote oh this entire gosh. song in an afternoon, calls up her mom, and it's like, hey, I just wrote this song. I think this is expresses exactly how I feel in the wake of this heartbreaking breakup. And I'm going to release this into the world. The line that she has in there, the devil's in the details. I won't tell the hell he put me through. Chef's kiss like that. That that is it. That that is it right there. Never wanted to be that girl, which she did with Ashley McBride. Perfect storytelling. So much soul in that song. Those two songs have completely changed my impression of her because I liked Hope You're Happy Now with Lee Bryce. But to me, I didn't really think that there was anything that memorable about her music. I, I didn't. Her breakup with Michael Ray 
it took her into a new stratosphere, like not even close. And she is blowing up right now. It's so unique to see someone almost immediately emerge into this best possible version of themselves post breakup. A lot of conversation about Olivia Rodrigo doing the same exact thing <laughs> and why she was exploding with driver's license and all that stuff. That's kind of hot in the streets right now. Carly Pierce, she is exemplifying that through and through. You might be sensing a little bit of a theme here. Talked about it with Kelsey Ballerini as well. I'm pretty big on women in country music who break up with their country artist husbands and then produce incredible music soon thereafter. Love that. Side note. God, they're sitting there somewhere like, oh, we got a young starlet coming up. Is she in a happy relationship? Call yeah. me in about six months. That's where they call me back. I'll put her on the bookmark so we'll get back to her. <laughs> Give me all the breakup tracks. I love that, man. I absolutely love that. Michael Ray, her ex-husband now. Um had my favorite song of his actually just like came out like a year ago, whiskey and rain. Um, so maybe they're both kind of finding a way to win the breakup much like coach. O looks like he's now living his best life on some beach in the panhandle with his 18 million bucks and his cheeseburgers and his girlfriend. And he's just living his best life. That's kind of Michael Ray in this scenario, mm -hmm. winning the breakup. That's what it's all about. That is why Carly Pierce is LSU. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is interesting. I, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I think that that's like a really big element of this whole thing. And the concept of winning the breakup is so interesting because to your point, it's like, you're told that you need this thing to be successful. And like with LSU, it's like, yeah, you, you know, you're 15 and oh, you got all this stuff, you know, coach O was Louisiana. It's like, how are you going to move on? And like LSU fans were kind of in that same boat. It's like, you fire this guy who just won a national championship. Where are you going to do go from here? And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's that's the essence of it, right? It's like getting better. It's learning yourself. And so, yeah, I, th I think what he didn't do is just so funny there because, I mean, coaches situation is like practice, right? It's like, it's so simple. Yes. It's like, hey, like, you know, what, like, yeah, like this worked for a minute, right? But like, we got to really think about what we needed, what, what how the last guy wronged us and what we needed because what they needed was structure. What they didn't need this happy heartthrob like Coach O who just came in there and started doing bench presses and won everybody's heart. They needed structure. They needed the dude who, you know, picks up your mail and does your, you know, remembers your appointments and reminds you. And that's, that's what, uh, that's what Brad Kelly is. So yeah, I actually, you completely made me do a 180 on this. I see what you're saying. And yeah, I think <laughs> and yeah, like it's cool. Cause it's interesting, right? Because I mean, in the basketball thing's a little bit different, eight year contract. Well, so we'll kind of see where that goes, but even, you know, baseball, women's basketball, like everything is just like, oh, well, you know, you made this big change and now what? And like all the haters are kind of out in force. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to do things my way and it's going to work better. And so that's, that's cool, man. That's my win of the day. Talking you into that one, I was like, crap, I'm going to get so much pushback from you personally and <laughs> being able to talk you into that. All right, we're good. This is this <laughs> is gravy. We're just we're downhill from this point moving forward. I, I can take L after L for the rest of this. <laughs> well, like, like I said, the fact that the position of LSU winning the breakup is so interesting to me because I never thought about that. I thought about yes. you know, what the expectations are versus what's happening. But when you really do that macro, it's like, yeah, all these different decisions where they picked themselves, they picked the brand, they picked all this stuff. It always worked out and they didn't need to be tied in this toxic, you know, relationship with a coach or with any type of, you know, thing. So, yeah, I think that's cool. All right, Mizzou. Sam Hunt. Okay. You say Mizzou's not in the SEC. You say Sam Hunt is not country. <laughs> okay. It's funny because if Mizzou wasn't in the SEC, I think people would be like, hey, that's actually not a bad 21st century program had 10 eight-win seasons in the 21st century, played in multiple conference championship games in two different Power Five conferences. I honestly think if you just saw Sam Hunt do an acoustic show, or not even an acoustic set, but like something where it's a little bit more kind of stripped down, it doesn't have the production, and it's not like he's playing in front of tens of thousands of people, which he doesn't do that often, but you get what I'm saying. Like 
if you didn't go with the assumption that you're seeing a country concert and you just went thinking, oh, this is just like an up and coming artist. He doesn't really belong to a genre. I mean, maybe it's a little bit more poppy. I think you'd actually come away from it thinking this isn't terrible. This is perfectly fine. I know he gets dragged and deservedly <laughs> so for some of his cringe songs that he puts out there. Take your time, break up in a small town, make you miss me. Those songs, my opinion, woof. Um, I do think there are some redeeming qualities, and that is why he's still here. I'm not saying I'm a Sam Hunt fan personally. Believe the night on, catchy song. House Party, you heard it on College Game Day a bunch for very obvious reason. It's a catchy song. 23 is his kind of latest song. Eh, probably not latest anymore. That came out like a year and a half ago. But if you just said this is some random dude named Jeff Jones instead of Sam Hunt, we'd be like, all right, okay, this is actually pretty good. Who is this guy? But it's Sam Hunt, and people kind of just want to dislike it. If Drink was at another school, I think people would like him more that he called out Dan Mullen or that he's out here at a Kansas basketball game trolling them with a sign. I think if he wasn't at Mizzou and if he was at a big-time program, we'd be like, whoa, how about this guy? Unbelievable. But Mizzou and Sam Hunt are are always going to feel – like to many that they don't belong where they are. And so even though they do things that should have a decent approval rating, they just kind of won't. And they'll always feel a little bit like the outsider, even within their own conference or within their own industry. I'm okay. I've just been on this other screen on YouTube, just scrolling through Sam Hunt music videos, brother, Some bad ones. That brother, if you think the songs are wild, I just saw one where he is like running shirtless in a white or like, sorry, running in the rain in a white tee with a gold chain. Then he's like singing and then they cut to like a flaming basketball hoop. There's so much going on that I've seen in the last 40. I don't even know what the symbolism is there. If this is literally like if you took like me at like 18 and gave me like $10 million that were just like, hey, I want you to make music videos. Like they all have like the scribbles on there. And it's like these kaleidoscope effects. Yeah, like this is. This is so funny. This is another one that I was like, I got to really like get into the culture of this. You're right. It's 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 like almost so many things. And like, that's the thing about the zoo. It's like, is this rap? Is this pop? Is this country? Kind of. And like, it's like, that, that's kind of the thing is it's like, yeah, is this like a big 12 school? Is this a SEC school? Is, school? is this a Ten basketball school? school? Yeah. Is this a football school? Are you like, it's like, are the jerseys cool? Or should, same thing with, with Drake. It's like, are you awesome? Are you cringe? It depends on the press conference. It depends on where you're at. It, like, so... Yeah, I think this is when you do all that at once, kind of, you cease to, you, you kind of just become this. And I think this actually makes a lot of sense. It's like, it, it's not like, okay, if you throw on like some George Strait, it's like, I know what I'm about to get. You know what yes. I'm saying? I know what I'm about to get. With Sam, with Sam Hunt, it's like, bro, like Mizzou could go 10 and 2 next year. <laughs> and I feel like I hate. Sam Hunt played at UAB, played also, how oh, already, did he finish at Western Kentucky? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Or he finished at Middle Tennessee? I'm oh, blanking on where he yeah. finished. But he definitely was playing at UAB for a little bit. I'm pretty sure his college roommate was DJ Durkin, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I want to say his college roommate was DJ Durkin, which is a weird thing to process. I might be wrong on that. I'm not prepared to handle this amount of information at once about Sam Hunt. This guy is like, there's so much going on. Can you can you Google that real quick for me? DJ Durkin, Sam Hunt, college roommates. I, uh, I, I don't think I made that up. That seems too weird to just be totally out of nowhere because uh, I don't. I don't look at them and think that they're the same age, but I want to say uh, that they are. I don't. Yeah, I don't see anything that comes up when you Google both of their names together. Oh, my gosh. You're right. He had watched his roommate, comma, Sam Hunt, teach himself how to play guitar from the Washington Post. Boom. Wow. What a pull. Yeah. 
All right. There, there you learned something today, kids. Even if even wow. if you got really mad at this, you learned something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Mississippi State. Zach Brown Van. If you told a casual sports fan, hey, what do you know about Mississippi State? You'd start by saying, yeah, they're the ones who have the cowbells going like the entire game. Um, yeah, no, they have to stop it when they're when they're snapping all that stuff. But you get what I'm saying. If you told a casual music fan, hey, what do you know about Zach Brown band? You'd start by saying, yeah, they're the ones that do chicken fried. And both would get the reaction of, oh, that's right. I know who that is. Personally, I think we should be saying, you know, the, the school who had the first black SEC football coach, it was Mississippi State. And, you know, the band who did the the, the song Colder Weather, it was Zach Brown band. That's probably what they should be more associated with. But I digress. I actually think Mississippi State is an ideal gateway into SEC football. If you're experiencing it for the first time, it is a unique experience with cowbells. It's a it's in a town that like isn't some big city, and it's truly centered around the university. You can't just be like, "Hey, come to LSU on a Saturday night," and that's what SEC football is like for everybody. It's just not. That's like too much to say that. Obviously, if you were experiencing college football, you would want to send them to LSU. But to say that this is some great barometer for the SEC, I don't think that's fair because that makes it seem like everybody else is on LSU Saturday night levels. And in my mm -hmm. opinion, they're just not. Um, but if you just say, hey, the passion, the atmosphere, that's this is sort of the bar that an SEC program has to meet or else people won't even consider it SEC. You never really deal with that with Mississippi State. They never have their SEC-ness questioned in part because they've been in the conference for so long. And also because this is exactly what you can kind of close your eyes and picture, even for mm -hmm. a program that doesn't have the historical success. Zach Brown Band was my gateway into country music. Hmm. I started listening to it sophomore year of college. Yes, it was chicken fried. It was toes. It opened up this new world for me. If you took someone to their first college football game and they heard the cowbells, they'd be like, wait, they do this all game. If you took someone to a Zach Brown band concert, you'd be like, wait, they have a dude who will just go on a three minute fiddle solo. Shout out to Jimmy D Martini. That's extremely unique, but I think they add so much character to who they are. They also sort of have this history of going rogue. Sylvester Croom's hiring was a landmark moment in history of the SEC. To think mm -hmm. that it took until 2004 for an SEC team to hire a black head coach is still such a challenge to fathom. Zach Brownband, in addition to having the desire to just go rogue in a concert setting and bust out some 10-minute version of Into the Mystic, also went rogue a few years ago with a pushback against country music. It was bad. It was really bad. If you don't believe me, you're like, wait, Zach Brown is so awesome. And like... All they do is put out good music that kind of transcends genre. Go YouTube, Swayze, Zach Brown. Um, it's maybe the worst thing I've ever heard. It's that bad. It is unbelievably bad. But at their core, one of the things I love about SEC football is that a town like Starkville, Mississippi can produce something that's so authentic and ingrained in its identity. While one of the things I love about Zach Brown band is that when Ever people say, ah, nobody has any talent in the industry anymore, I'd say go to a Zach Brown band concert and hear all the things they can do. Will, thoughts on that? Yeah, man, I, I actually love that. And like, you know, to your point, people are going to be like, oh, like point to the success, whatever. No, I think that like when you talk about chicken fried, when you talk about toes, even like knee deep is like that is like very just 
Uh, like you said, gateway drug. It's That's exactly how Mississippi State would be. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you were an NFL fan, like if I got my buddy Brady and I was like, okay, come to one college football game, they'd be like blown away by that by that environment, even though it's a smaller stadium, the amount of passion. And it wouldn't be, you know, it, it, it's not, it, it's unique, you know what I'm saying? And so not that Zach Brennan is super unique, but it's the fact that it's so, it, it's like, yeah, I need some country. Let me throw this on. I think it's a good, it's a good representative. Um, I will say shout out my favorite song of his for sure is Heavy as the Head. That goes hard every time. That's a good gym one that's a good wake up one so yeah i think uh i think very very now again the screeching nature of cowbells is not quite as cool and calming as zach brown <laughs> but I'll, I'll take it that's fair yeah it's definitely a different sound but yeah i, I think they're i think it's really hard to do to just like if you want to just pick up and try and emulate what zach brown band does even i think that would be really unique because of kind of all the different genres they've gone into and even within a given album like uncaged which came out, wow, that came out like over 10 years ago. That still has like three or four, they have bluegrass things. They kind of have a little bit of an mm -hmm. R&B sound to it. And they have still like some authentic country type stuff. Um, but yeah, they don't necessarily kind of follow the, the traditional, like what, what what we would expect in Mississippi State. Certainly a unique program. Maybe Dak Prescott is to Mississippi State what Chicken Fried is to Zach Brown. <laughs> Maybe this, is why you're, oh, this is why you're listening to this podcast, folks. This exact moment. <laughs> did Connor just say Dak Prescott was Chicken Fried? Yes, I did. Yes, I yes. did. You did not mishear that. Uh, okay, let's go to Oklahoma. Let's go to a newbie. Dirk Bentley. When you name the best programs in college football right now without thinking about it, there's that tier one. It's probably Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, maybe Clemson, not necessarily in that particular order. In that second tier is maybe Michigan, Notre Dame, and you guessed it, Oklahoma. You can't put Oklahoma in tier one because last I checked, tier one teams have to have won a playoff game. Mm -hmm. Still haven't done that. When you name the best artists in country music right now, without thinking about it, there's also that tier one, though obviously preference is a big part of that. But if you probably, like if you did a poll of just country music fans in general, and this is the way that they turned out, if you want to go to Spotify, I guess you could do that, whatever. But you're probably going to say tier one is like Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen, Tim McGraw, Miranda Lambert, Chris Stapleton, maybe Eric Church. In that second tier, you're either going with people on the rise, like a Zach Bryan, like a Cody Johnson, maybe a Megan Maroney, maybe my girl Carly Pierce, just okay. saying, or you're maybe going with people that have been around for a while and they're just on the outside looking into that tier one, someone like Dirk Bentley. I could make a case that every program should aspire to be Oklahoma. They've never paid a buyout for a head coach. They won a title in the 21st century. They went to multiple title games in the 21st century. They have 43 all-time top 10 finishes in their history, 16 of which happened in the 21st century. That's good. I could make a case that every country artist should aspire to have the career of Dirk Bentley. Two decades of chart-topping relevance is such a hard thing to do in any industry, much less for a dude who grew up in Phoenix and started off <laughs> by going to college in Vermont. If you've never heard the story that Ryan Rosillo has told on his podcast about Dirk Bentley, it is an all-timer. I'll save that for another time. Just Google it. You probably find it somewhere. Listen, when you go to match with your freshman year roommate, you need to ask yourself, can this person be a country music singer? Because so far, we've seen that it's not impossible. I think we really need to hang our hat on that, guys. If you see someone who's kind of playing some trance, maybe see if they got those props too but you really want to know backstage passes where you're trying to get with that with that roommate situation if if your boy is disappearing off to karaoke bars and he's like kind of killing it and he's yeah like, look this this might be my thing 
I don't know, just invest, invest then. That's your time <laughs> when you say, all right, I'm, I'm getting in on the ground floor. This guy might be end up being something pretty good, which Dirks has absolutely become that. He is the ultimate, in my opinion. Wait, he does that song too? Type guy. <laughs> who, for those who are maybe more casual country fans or they're just getting into it, the volume that Dirks has is insane. And if you've ever seen him live, you're like, his set list is so good. I Hold On, great concert song. Every Mile of Memory, What Was I Thinking, uh, Come a Little Closer, Free and Easy, Feel That Fire. All those are just great songs. They play anywhere, anytime. They don't feel like they're specific to a genre like or like a specific time that's associated with like bro country or something like that. Or they don't, even, they don't sound like 90s country. They're just good songs. And I know they're a little bit more guilty pleasure, but much like Oklahoma can spit out a Heisman winner every once in a while. Every once in a while, Dirk spits one out like drunk on a plane and, <laughs> hey you're like all right this this is really good this is when you're at your absolute best in my opinion uh even though that's not typically what you're associated with for one reason or another dirks is never going to be in the same breath as tim mcgraw he's mm-hmm. not as vocally gifted as chris stapleton and he's not the dude shaking his butt on stage like luke bryan so he's Ooh. not considered tier one in terms of household names some people would consider Luke Bryan. Couldn't be me. This has not been a very pro Luke Bryan podcast. I'll just say that. It's not been uh, a lot of frustration with him. Still, though, I love Dirks and think that like Oklahoma, there's just something a little bit steady about it. As mm-hmm. Dirks says in Burning Man, which he does with Brothers Osborne, I'm a little bit steady, but still a little bit Rolling Stone. Programs should aspire for Oklahoma levels of steadiness and artists should aspire for Dirk's two decades of steadiness in this industry. Oh, dude, I love that. And like, uh, you know, as a Pelicans fan, I was talking to my buddy the other day. It's like, we make fun of the Trailblazers, man. Why do we make fun of the Trailblazers? They're in the playoffs every year. You can go take your friends and your kid to the to the game and have a nice night on a Tuesday. I would love that as a Pelicans fan. I would love to not be, you know, up and down and like, what are we doing here? So like, yeah, I think for both, it's like, yeah, this is cool. Like, you know what you're going to get. You know what you're signing up for. You know, hey, it'll be a nice little run to the playoffs. And then... You know, it's about to happen, but it's not a shocker when it happens. And so, yeah, I, I love that. You will never go home from a Dirks concert disappointed. Exactly. Most seasons, yeah, like you might be a little bit disappointed with the ending for, you know, the way that it's played out for Oklahoma in the playoff era. But if you had just told an average college football fan, hey, like you're, you're going to go 11 and two this year, you're, you're probably your quarterback's probably going to win the Heisman or be in the discussion. You'd be like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Let, let's let's do that. That sounds great. Um, that's kind of why I, I see that comp there. Ole Miss. Kenny Chesney. Okay. Questioning loyalties. That's Ooh. Our, that's our theme here. Uh, that was not a reference to Hugh Freeze, more so Lane Kiffin. Somebody just picked up on the Hugh Freeze connection there, and they're like, Oh, I see what I see what you did. Um Kenny has had his loyalties question, not just within SEC fan bases, because he'll wear any hat at any concert, even as a Tennessee guy. Um, Roger Sherman and Jason Kirk wrote about this for SB Nation seven years ago, about how Kenny Chesney has 36 different favorite teams. If you search Kenny Chesney discography on Wikipedia, I'm pretty sure that's him rocking a Bama jersey. (laughs) I mean, that, that tells you all you need to know. Is he the Drake of country music? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, that is actually good job. That yeah. Is, yep. Very much so. Uh, does anybody talk more about other programs unprompted more so than Lane? Even last week, like he's firing off tweets about Jimbo saying all offenses are the same. Kenny Chesney crowd, 
known a little bit more for the party atmosphere than like mm-hmm. the deep musical connection. This isn't a Chris Stapleton concert where you're sitting out there with your chair and you're just like, we're going to enjoy this two and a half, three hour set. And it's just going to be awesome. We don't have to be on our feet for this. Kenny Chesney vibe, very different. Ole Miss games, changing the discussion, but definitely still known a bit more for the party at the Grove than the national championship aspirations of the football team. I mean, the entire mm-hmm. party in the SIP marketing strategy is playing on that Ole Miss fans. Like you could admit that is a big part of your identity and there's nothing wrong with that. I am 100% fine. If, if that's, that's your vibe, that's what you're going for. Totally makes sense. Embrace what you are. Every once in a while, Ole Miss is capable of giving us a really fun season. Just like now, every few years, Kenny is capable of giving us a fun song on the radio. But gone are the days in which we're going to get some national championship team or an Archie Manning at Ole Miss. And gone are the days in which we're really going to get peak Kenny, which was there goes my life. She's got it all. Just don't happen twice. How forever feels. Even summertime. Summertime 17 years old. That song is 17 years old. That's crazy. Uh... I know I don't I don't yeah. want to make people feel old, but you know you're, you're just like wow yeah maybe maybe your best days are kind of behind you, but his set list is still so good he could still play a concert that would be such a great time. Every once in a while, Ole Miss is going to be frisky, and every once in a while, Kenny's going to give us like a you and Tequila, and you're going to be like oh I like that you and Tequila, little Matt Corral, you know 2021. <laughs> That's the type of stuff that we're talking about here. No, I, I I get that, and it's funny because I was thinking about this. Like, which which fan bases in America are truly just like not that we don't care about winning, but like you're not coming here to win necessarily. Like, I'm not even being mean, but it's like that's what it is. And maybe you could look at like an Iowa where it's like we like to be wholesome and have a nice defensive game and wave relevance. at the kids. Yeah, Re- relevance. Yeah, but like Ole Miss's thing, like you said, party in the sip. It's not like hey, you're gonna come over here and go, you know, fifteen and zero and win a national championship. It's like. Could be fun. Uh, like, and that's exactly what Kenny Chesney is. It's just like, hey, are we going to go get some Kenny Chesney tickets? Yeah, man, it could be fun. And like, same thing as all this. It's like, like you said, like, you're not, there's not really a, a time where you're like, oh, man, like, I'm really feeling, dude, I'm really feeling down. I'm really like, I really want to be introspective. I'm going to throw on some half of my hometown. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's exactly like the vibe. And they've kind of found that niche where it's like, you don't have to do these things that SEC coaches are supposed to do. You don't have to do these things that programs are supposed to do. You you don't have to make, you know, these old school, like, twanging. Like, I mean, even for the age of Kenny Chesney, it's, it's so funny because he was like a new age guy, like, 25 years ago. And that's kind of like how Lane was. It's like he's now, like, in terms of coaches, right, it's like, he was like the young kid on the block in 2008, 2007, you know, with the Raiders and everything. And now it's like, you're kind of still that young kid, but you're just older. <laughs> yeah, true. There's, there's a, there's a tiny bit of introspective with Kenny, like his, but it's all his early bit, stuff. Yeah. It's, it's all his, his early stuff. So yeah, I mean, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, gosh, there goes my life is. Yeah. That, no one hits. <laughs> yeah. That one hits. That's it's good introspective, but you're not, you're not busting out like, Oh, for example, I used to like, you know, after, after like my dad died, like I'm, I'm I'm getting a little bit introspective here. Like in those few months afterwards, I'm like, I just, or even when my dad was sick, I'm like, I want to put something on that kind of not necessarily like upbeat, but just something that kind of hits the soul. You're not going to the Kenny Chesney, like discography. Like, right. It's about the shuffle, right? It's like, yeah, I'm sure I could find you one like super chill Metallica song if I looked hard enough. But when you hit the shuffle, like, you know what you're getting with Lane, you know what you're getting with Ole Miss, you know what you're getting with with Kenny. I'm not quite ready to have a beer in Mexico right now. That's not right that I'm going for. That's just, that's just not. Okay. South Carolina, Cody Johnson. Okay. I 
I teased this one in interview with uh, with Brad Crawford a few weeks ago. As long as I wasn't going to get major pushback from Brad, I was going to go with this. Uh, Cody Johnson is one of those guys who people have known about for several years, but he's finally worked his way into country radio, that whole world, which say what you will about that. I totally understand all the criticisms about it, but the fame and opportunity that comes with being on country radio is life-changing. A few years ago, I remember Cash was telling me, Cash Daniel um, was saying like, Cash, (laughs) the life we live, man. That's crazy. He's like, Cody Johnson, Tyler Childers, like Sturtle Simpson, like because of how different they were from country radio, much like Chris Stapleton, like didn't have to sell his soul to get into the spotlight. Like yeah. you, you need to listen to those guys. That's that's what he kept saying. And, you know, you have to have this iconic voice and you also have to have people in Nashville, like start to bang the drum for you. Like Chris Stapleton blew up because obviously the voice, the talent was there. And then he has everybody start to really say like, oh my God, this guy is so good. People need to be listening to him. And then, you know, he happens to be boys with Justin Timberlake and that performance, like was Mm -hmm. in 2015 CMAs that just kind of set it off. I bring this up because while you don't need to be on country radio to be a star in this age of the internet, you're not playing at sold out arenas unless you're getting that kind of airplay. That's probably reality. And so you need both the talent and the opportunity. Lack one of those things, and it's fair to kind of question your upside and how we will be talked about maybe 30 years from now. Fair or not, that's that that is reality. Cody Johnson breaking through the red dirt country scene in Texas and getting smash hits on the radio totally changes how he's being talked about. South Carolina finally having a talented head coach to go along with those second to none facilities totally changes the way that that program is being talked about. Shane Beamer beating Tennessee felt very much like an I've arrived moment, even more so than getting a Mayo concussion. And now Beamer, he's got a few of these moments where you're thinking, wait, maybe it's unfair to say that we know what South Carolina's potential is. Just like Cody Johnson having a few singles out, like on my way to you till you can't human, which that's his, his single on the radio right now. You're like, wow, this guy with red dirt roots he can absolutely be one of the five biggest stars in this industry because I think so many fans of the genre or maybe the past era of the genre were turned off by what they saw over the course of the last 10 to 15 years in the bro country and all that because Cody Johnson ain't that. He did not have to sell his soul to get to this place. It's weird that songs like Dancer Home... With You I Am, they never really broke through. And I've listened to those songs from Cody Johnson over like 95% of what's currently on country radio, maybe all of what's on country radio outside of like a couple of John Party, Chris Stapleton songs. He's kind of got some early Chris Young vibes to him. That's the intra industry comp I'll make, Mm -hmm. which Chris Young was supposed to be this game changer. And I'd argue his music has gone downhill pretty significantly in the last 10 years. Um, But with Cody Johnson in South Carolina, the reason that I made this comp, I think both have this tremendous potential because they both feel like a breath of fresh air. And I think conversations about their perceived ceilings have changed drastically in the last couple of years. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with that as far as South kind of is like a program. Um, And yeah, I think that they're just kind of fun and interesting. And I I think this is one that like, this is one of the funner ones. Um, There are a couple of guys that I thought of for South Carolina. Um, The first one actually already talked about was Sturgill. Uh, Him Hmm. and, him and Beamer have such similar vibes. In fact, when I talk about Nose of the Grindstone being what Stoops wakes up to, I feel like you can have the crown is what um is what Beamer wakes up to. He lives life at that pace. He just lives like like I could just see him like throwing open a door and just, it's just like going in. That's super cool. But you know what else he makes me think of? 
Hank Williams Jr. Not oh, as a person. Okay. Not as a person, but when you think about the success his dad had, when you think about that his career has been, Dang, okay. I, when you think about, okay, boom. Yeah, my dad had all this success, but I'm not him. I'm not him, G. You know, he had all this respectable beaver ball, you know, Michael Vick, all that, all that on that four by three VHS tape you could think of, but don't show up to a Hank Jr you know, concert thinking you're going to get Hank senior. Cause that's the, the issue that people have had with Beamer. It's like, Oh, well, you're supposed to be respectful. Your dad was this I, I love your dad. Why are you, why are you, why are you Dougie? And why are you doing all this? And it's like, that's Hank jr. And that's why people fell in love. And that next generation fell in love with him. There's a third Hank as well. I'm not as into him, but point being like, I, I think that that's like super cool. Cause he's like, forged his own path outside of his dad. And I think with South Carolina as well, it's like, you know, we talked about a little bit of that up and down, you know, we talked about, okay, you have the, um, you have like the Spurrier years, and that's such an interesting thing to place long term, right? Because that certainly, I believe, was the golden era of, of South Carolina football. But if you look at kind of, if you look at where they're at right now, it's like, yeah, they they're they're very interesting, and that was why I thought of Sergio. It's like up and coming, exactly where you went with Sir, with uh, Cody Johnson. So South Carolina is just hard to place because they just have so much going on. You know, it's I like know. they have such a bright future. Their past isn't great, but they also have like this one long, like not long, but like six seven year blip of just like, okay, well we're also nice for this too. You know, and Cody Johnson was kind of getting his start and getting traction <laughs> right around the time of the Spurrier era at South Carolina as well. So like that's that makes sense too. Gosh. That Hank Jr. one's really good. That's mm-hmm. really good. If it was just straight coach comps for something yep. like that, that would have been like the number one choice 100%. I still actually like it for South Carolina as a whole. Dang, that's really good. Okay, that's the first one I might have regretted a little bit. That's what you're Listen, for. you convinced me on LSU. I convinced <laughs> you on this. And you were so locked into that. Like, this is why this works. Yeah. All right, let me talk you into this one for Tennessee. Joe Messina. Okay. I am by no means a country purist. If you've listened to this for what have we been recorded for like an hour now, um, mm-hmm. you probably can tell like I'm not your traditional country music listener. And like I, I fully acknowledge that. I, I My country music listening didn't really start until about 2010. And while I've tried to educate myself on songs that came out before that era, um, an era that many people long for, it still doesn't hit me with the same sort of nostalgia feel that it does for so many people. And I fully understand that. But Heads Carolina, Tales California is one of my absolute favorite country songs ever, ever. I had heard it a handful of times in my life. And then when Lauren and I were long distance in Nebraska in 2013, she put it on a mix for me. And buddy, I used to belt that song out on I-80 East, driving to Omaha to the airport to pick her up. I'm just like rocking out in my car, my 97 Corolla, just top of my lungs. And and that song is, to me, always going to be associated with that. By the way, if my TikTok channel, y'all said what ever comes to fruition and I break down the <laughs> lyrics of country songs, again, don't steal my idea. Anybody listening to this, I want to be on top of that. If somebody's already thought of it, I'll do a little collab with them. We'll see. Um, that would be one of the first songs I do along with George Strait's Run. Got a lot of thoughts on that. A lot of thoughts on that one. Uh, but I'll save that for the channel. I say all of this because when Cole Swindell did his take on Heads Carolina Tales California, I truly wasn't a fan because I thought the original was so much better. And I thought it was a little bit of pandering. Like he was tapping into that sound, like and his only way of tapping into that sound was literally doing a remake of that song of like, all right, we're going to, we're going to bring the nineties country sound back, but he just did a remake on the song. And like, I I get it. A lot of people liked it. Did they like for nostalgia? Did they like it because they actually sounded good? I I don't know. Um, In my opinion, you're like, hey, this is great that Joe D. Messina is back, 
but it's not what the original is back in the mid to late 90s. That's how we talked about Tennessee football this past season. So awesome to see that they're back to relevance and that we're talking about them. But is this really right now at the level that it was at, you know, during the Peyton years or did it really feel like 98? In my opinion, no, it didn't quite get to that level, despite how nostalgic it probably felt for so many people. And I acknowledge that's awesome because I'm not saying here that that it's going to automatically just be this this two decade run with Josh Heupel. We know these things can be fleeting, but I'm saying in its current context, it's still a ways off from being at that level that it was at in the 90s, because for a while, Tennessee, Joe DiMussina, they kind of faded into a little bit of obscurity in their respective industries, albeit for different reasons. And it's not that they totally crashed and burned. Messina had a few hits after she dealt with financial issues shortly after the success of Heads Carolina, Tales California. I mean, she got nominated for two Emmys after that song. And coming into last year, Tennessee had two top 10 finishes after 1998. But I think both parties would admit it was a struggle to get anything that popped quite like what they had in the late 90s. And this past year just kind of totally brought them back into the national spotlight. Yeah, I'm, I was actually really excited to see what you're going to do with this one, because that's exactly the thing, right? It's like living. I hate to say living off of the 90s, but more of rekindling what you had in the 90s. And and it's not, you know, it, it's 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 never like I'm not going to say it's never going to be. But what Fulmer had, man, I mean, it's just I'm not it's not exactly a dynasty, but it was just every year, every year, every year. These was great future. Great future NFL players, great quarterbacks, great like like just everything that you would look for. And so it's like to your point, it's like you want it to be that. Whenever one of these older artists like comes out with a song like this, like I'm guilty of this with like Lil Wayne. Like every time he drops a track, I'm like, oh, are we back? Are we back? Hold on. Yeah. And like every once in a while, you'll get like like the Carter Five was really good. And like same deal here. It's like yeah, like that's that's kind of their thing is like kind of yearning for what they had at one point, but still making peace with that and 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 having a present that's tied to it while still moving forward. You know. Yeah, I'd, I'd Garth for this last time because mm-hmm. I was like, you Garth could still play the hits. Garth hasn't come out with anything in right. the 21st century that you've been like, all right, this is this is really good. Or I mean, I shouldn't say anything in the 21st century, but you you know, Garth is is still playing the hits. Garth is still showing up. Friends in low places, like last oh, last song at, at our wedding, that's still gonna play at any bar in America. Garth Garth can still show up at stadiums and 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 perform in front of a massive crowd and Tennessee football, the brand of Tennessee football is still such a big deal, despite the fact that it was built on accomplishments from two decades ago, more than two decades ago at the time. So again, this is why we update this list. Mm -hmm. The context matters because they've gotten one hit. (laughs) It's a big deal. Just being good. The nineties is one thing, but being good now and the nineties, totally different vibe. Very much so. All right, Texas, Blake Shelton. And I swear, I swear to you, I did not just do this because Austin was his first single. One of Blake's best songs, easily, by any stretch of the imagination. I actually tried to make it a point to avoid any sort of connection that an artist might have to a specific program or city that we're, we're referencing. I didn't, I didn't want that to just be like, oh, you just piece that together. That's not why Blake Shelton was my choice for Texas. I realize Chris Stapleton literally has Arkansas in the song. We get it. We're still right. we, we're still well aware of that. Um, great running song, by the way, Arkansas. Chris Stapleton. Just, that's just part of my my country playlist. You know when I'm when I'm going out for for jogs and whatnot. Um, anyways, Blake in Texas. They're gonna sell out shows. Their brand is among the biggest in existence. Household names, despite the fact that you look at their last decade for Texas, 
decade plus. I think the last like eight or so years for Blake, like mm, it's pretty unimpressive. Pretty unimpressive. Last Blake single that I liked was doing what she likes. Obviously the charts don't reflect that much like the recruiting rankings or the attendance never reflect that Texas is still trying to get back. Blake, musically speaking, and not from a fame perspective when he's all over our TVs, is still trying to get back to the guy that he was in the first part of his career. If I said to you, Will, what's the best Blake Shelton song ever? Because I have I have an obvious choice if, if you don't. Um, unfortunately for me, it's going to be boys around here. Okay, you might offend some people by saying that. Now we're getting into the offensive territory by saying that. That this is my horrible take. I just that song makes me so happy. Chew tobacco, chew tobacco, spit is a great line. It's a great line. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out Pistol Annie's. They kind of make that song. They kind of round it out. Uh, best Blake Shelton song. If, if if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking in your head. Your knee jerk reaction, all red. Okay, fantastic storyline, unbelievable. Like. The, the, just the sound and everything. Like when that comes on the radio, still you're like, all right, we're not, we're not changing the station. Old red still gets played. You play that in the right atmosphere. Great, great song. Um, we should probably talk a little bit more about the fact that old red is a cover off George Jones. We don't talk about that. We don't George Jones released that song in 1990, but never released it as a single. When you realize that someone's best song was a cover it's sort of how I feel about Texas's glory years coming when it was still racist. 1969 Texas was the last all-white national championship program. Last 50 years? Eh. Haven't gone quite as well for the Horns, though obviously they had Vince Young title team and they had plenty of good seasons, but you can poke some holes in their resume, much like I think you can do with Blake Shelton, who has <laughs> taken the Luke Bryan approach, this is not a pro Luke Bryan podcast. <laughs> he has taken the Luke Bryan approach of just crapping out singles that aren't good. That still climbed to number one because, Hey, when your face is all over our TVs, much like those two guys are, it helps helps when you're in the tabloids too. And we're kind of sold on this vision of a program or an existence of, of an artist. That's maybe a little bit better than what it gets credit for. And being back is proven to be harder than what you might think. Fair. Yeah, I this this might be my favorite one because it's what it's like the opposite of Mississippi State in a way where it's like if you want to get someone in the country music, give them Zach Brown man because it's like it's 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 middle of the line country. Blake Shelton has always felt kind of like empty calories to me, and like that's honestly why I like Boys Right Here because it's just not a country song because I I don't want to hear him do country music. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I I've never I personally have never really liked him. I think he's been a little bit too pop. And I think that that's exactly where Texas is. They're more focused on the fame. They're more focused on the things that come with it as opposed to it. And I think that that's where he has, where Blake Shelton has kind of turned his career. You know, he wants to be on TV. He wants to be famous. He wants to be a host. Texas wants to, you know, have this brand, have this money, have this, you know, stature. Network. And, network. <laughs> and it's not about winning football games. It's not about making country music. And I think that that's so perfect for both of them. Like you said, irrespective of the Austin thing, because it's just like, like if 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 like your mom would be like, oh Texas, that's a good football team, you know, not your mom, but just the mom in general that doesn't really follow like you know, pop culture is like, yeah, Blake Shelton, like he's great, like Texas, yeah, they're great, they're great. It's like, honestly, no, <laughs> no, they're not. Much like Texas could kind of only exist the way that they did in that specific time. Mm-hmm. Um, the song Austin, um, 
dated won't work in the cell phone era yeah. you have an entire song about an answering machine all right yeah not a thing anymore not a thing all right you get reception at the lake just call them there they'll answer yeah. hey if it's this day you're bowling i send them a text i don't know <laughs> people are gonna hate that too crap Listen, well, you can't advocate for advocate, for interrupting someone's bowling game, right? You'd be yeah, on D&D. That song, that, that would be just as difficult to reach you during a bowling game. Yeah. I, haven't bowled a, I haven't bowled in a while, man. I need to get back into it. I do. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get most fired up about this one. Oh, boy. Texas A&M is Thomas Rhett. All the resources in the world, and what do they really have to show for it? You know the A&M part of this. The Thomas Rhett part of this. His dad wrote a billion songs for Nashville stars. Thomas Rhett had an in to country music, changed his name, by the way, to not be reflected to his dad, even though it was like, oh, yeah, that, that is your dad who wrote like a billion songs. Um, but he had an in to country music that so few people are fortunate enough to get, which is absolutely part of the reason why he got his foot into the door so early. Again, this is somebody who is my age and was doing this when he was, you know, like 21, 22 years old. And I'm not hating on that because we all need advantages in life. Take advantage of that. I fully support anybody using their resources that are available in that way. But speaking of that, Thomas Rhett bursts onto the scene 2012. Beer with Jesus goes like this. Make me wanna, which in my opinion, catchiest melody that he's come up with. I say come up with loosely. Um <laughs> AM comes into the SEC, bursts onto the scene in 2012. Johnny Manziel, Heisman, take down Bama. After that, though, one true standout. AM had the 2020 season, won the Orange Bowl, 9 1, best AP top 25 finish for the Aggies since 1939. Thomas Rhett since 2012, uh, Die a Happy Man, great song, probably heard of a bunch of weddings. You've also probably heard Thomas Rhett reference that song in Wait for It. Another one of his songs. My brother's least favorite thing that an artist can do is reference one of your songs in another song. Mm -hmm. I agree with him on that. Hate that. Hate that. In Once again, what about Mike Jones? And still tipping, he famously also said 281-330-8004. Is he also, is he immune from that criticism or is this a rule? Um, that's just giving out your phone number, man. Like if you want to give your phone number out in every song, if you want to be Jason Derulo and be like, Oh, this is a Jason Derulo song. You're going to know in the first five seconds of this, that's kind of your thing. All right. That's fair. No, that's see, that's a good distinction. Yeah. He's just a volume shooter that Mike Jones. Anyway, very much in the song life changes. Thomas Rhett has a line that says she got a blue check mark by her Instagram. And I wrote a little song about holding her hand. And now everybody want to die happy now. Cringe. Thomas Rhett and AM both have some super cringy things about them. Thomas Rhett's the worst person on Instagram. Just bragging about how perfect his <laughs> life is. Dude. Just the worst. Like number one, like terrorists. The worst. <laughs> Besides the person that just tries to sell you stuff nonstop, Thomas mm-hmm. Rhett is the, the worst person on Instagram. Um, he throws it in your face. Like he, he got unfollowed like back in like 2016 or something for me. Um so many people are just like, oh, they're their goals, like, oh, that's relationship goals, that's family goals. Uh, no, they're not. They're they're human beings who have a great life and also have problems. But because of their insecurities, they try to make everything look perfect, kind of like having one elite season for the first time in eight years and then giving your head coach ninety six million dollars guaranteed. 
Thomas Rhett is the thirstiest person on social media. Some would say A&M is the thirstiest program in college football. And I don't mean that Thomas Rhett is thirsty by like sliding into DMs and doing all that stuff. I mean, seeing Walker Hayes have ridiculous success with the Applebee song, which blew up on TikTok so much that it was literally in that commercial. The TikTok dances were like, we saw that roughly 800 times during 2021 opening weekend. Thomas Rhett sees all that. And then he's like, I'm going to try and capture that success with a song called Redneck Be Like. If you don't know that song, YouTube it. If you can get through a minute of that disaster, good on you. I couldn't. Oh, and he did that on a country album called Country Again, wherein the title track has the line, man, it feels good to be country again. He also said in that song, Quote, I traded sunsets with my wife for hours on my phone. And even when I was right beside her, I still wasn't really home. Thomas Rhett is the person who admits these things, but does like, just does, does them for clout. Okay. Just like says like, oh, you know, I was, I was a bad person before, but he's still doing these things and it's still so cringy and it's still so frustrating to watch. Kind of like, you know, having your yell leaders talk smack about App State in the laziest trash talk ever, only to then get beat by that hillbilly college as that <laughs> yell leader referred to them as. It's maddening to watch Thomas Rhett and AM exist because so many people would kill for the things that they have at their disposal. Yet despite all the opportunity in the world to be a game changer in their respective industries, they instead find more ways to make you cringe than make your jaw drop. And I hate that. You are watching to a live reaction with all these expressions of this song, Redneck Be Like. Uh, this is a song that somehow has one of those Snapchats that you were talking about while also having like a banjo and like an acoustic. This is... The worst song I've ever heard. I it, yeah. I don't know how to process this song. It's like as if someone... It's like, okay, let me just go on a quick tangent. Who do you think is worse? Guy that makes his life seem perfect on social media or girl? Or guy or girl that won't stop talking about their problems on social media? Makes life seem perfect. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think so. Because there's at least some sort of therapeutic element with airing your grievances to the world or airing your frustration both people are trust me you're getting muted you're getting unfollowed probably from me <laughs> i'm midwest so i'm gonna mute you i'm not gonna block you that's just my nature Not <laughs> unfollow just yeah ignore yeah yeah but no i think that person who tries to portray a perfect life is is worse i'm so blown away by how horrible this song is this song is like if i tried to make a country music song it's like that song like was it like the perfect country song that's like yeah talk about a truck like i was drunk the day much like it's literally like Oh, I need to make the Applebee's song. Like you nailed that. It's like I I it's literally like if I if someone if Al Qaeda captured me and put a gun to my head and were like, you need to make a country song that's gonna sell out, like it's gonna go big on the radio, that's gonna be popular. I was just like, okay, Snapchat, banjos, uh, what do rednecks like? Oh, uh, uh, redneck be like, and like I'm sorry, this is just insane. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It's trying too hard. It's exactly the whole thing. It's like it's not like Texas where it's working. <laughs> like, at least you can look at Texas and be like, well, you're making money. So your goal is you're succeeding at that technically. Then if it's like, you're just spending. <laughs> you're, yeah. not, you're not really like, no one's looking at Redneck be like and being like, dang, you know, it really does feel good to be. And that's the thing. Whenever you start to make that type of music that's like, feels good to be country again, it's like, brother, the people that are like that, that live that lifestyle are not checking for you. They've already yeah. moved past it. They're never into you. It's like, hello, fellow country people. It's like, no, that's not how this works. Like, you obviously were not in that lifestyle like you were because your dad was, but at much like lots of AM fans. And so, like, point being, yeah, this is 
Wow, I am fuming thinking about both of these things at once. Let's move on. <laughs> I might have to bust out the Iowa notepad to talk about, to write down every single bad Thomas Rhett song that comes out. That that might have to join the A&M group with the Jimbo buyout. That's how I got to stop reading about him. I got to be close. Yeah, just stop. I'm just, just this is, I like, that's the guy who I just kind of knew in passing. I was like, hey, he's kind of annoying, whatever. But like you, it's one of those, like you could fare that he's so much worse than I thought. He's like, comes from that, like starts here, ends here in the middle is what I know. It's like, wow. Yeah, not great. Not great. All right. Let's end with this one for Vandy. Megan Maroney. I know. I know. She's wearing Tennessee orange for her Georgia fan boyfriend. Or no, Tennessee fan boyfriend. She's the Georgia fan. My bad. Mm-hmm. Messed that one up. Messed that one up. Side note. What a bad time to hop off the Georgia fan wagon. <laughs> what, what are you doing? What? I guess she doesn't like hop off, but why not make him come over to your side and root for a national champ? Make mm-hmm. him put on your Georgia hat that's sitting there on the dash. Not the other way around, Megan. Come on. What are we doing here? I, and I get it. Tennessee's Tennessee's having a moment right now. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to sacrifice your fandom. Although she says, you know, Georgia's a sin. But I'm just saying, like, let's let's be a little bit wiser about when we're ditching our Georgia fandom. Okay, just throw it <laughs> out there. I think, and I make this comp because I think it's more difficult to make it as a a young woman in country music, much like it is more difficult to make it in the SEC as a program that's all about academics. That's the main point. That mm-hmm. I wanted to make here. And so Megan Maroney has his has this first single, Tennessee Orange, in 2022. Became like one of the songs of the year. Vandy's first SEC win in the 2020s happened in 2022. Mm-hmm. And now you're kind of like, okay, you're on the rise. What is Clark Lee kind of capable of? Is he going to be able to hang around and kind of be that guy for a while? Is Megan Maroney about to be like a star kind of a, a star voice in this in this business? I think there's that potential there. Obviously, there's still such a long way to go. And to be able to put together a a, a set list of just number one hits or something like that, that takes a really, really long time. Despite the fact that what we saw in 2022, we're like, okay, this is what it should look like. This is really encouraging. You're starting at a place that's really difficult and you're going to have to grind for a while. And you're probably going to still have to like kind of eat some crap and figure out your voice and all those different things. Despite the fact that, you did something that we didn't think that maybe, oh, you were capable of doing so soon. But that road is still a long one. And it's still really, really difficult to get to that place where you are a household name. Despite the fact that for now, because of that single, she very much established herself as one of these up and comers in country music. This is just such a great example of it's like, uh, it's like, you know. They say ogres are like onions. It's kind of like you. It's like, oh, you know, the outside, very just like Midwest, nice, whatever. It's like you have these things that you're like so into that are just like country music feminism. Great example. You know, like 50 good female country. Like if I like I'm I'm looking at this and like, wow, I'm learning so much about this. So like, yeah, that's that's like super cool. And I think that like that, that your spray chart for the people that you picked has been really cool. And yeah, I mean, like you <laughs> like you kind of talked about, it's like yeah, like like it's kind of it's, it's kind of what what comes next. It's another one of those where it's like, okay, we've kind of seen you kind of come onto the scene. We've seen this. Like, what's your next move? Are you going to try to make another Tennessee Orange? Are you going to try to do something new? Where are you going to go? So I think it's a little bit of anticipation of we've seen a little bit. We've seen you going to be fine, but where are we going from here? What's your sound going to be? Is right? Are you going to kind of pride yourself on that more acoustic? type like you're you're not going to have this big production going on it's not going to be confused for like pop music or something like that which that was my criticism of early kelsey ballerini stuff was like this is just a pop track like if you just 
heard this on like a pop station, there would be nothing saying to you that this is country. What's, what's your go-to sound going to be? How are people going to view you? What is Vandy's kind of like hallmark identity going to be with Clark Lee? What's that DNA going to look like? Because we know that they're starting at a place that not a lot of people are starting from, you know, Mm -hmm. she's Megan Baroni is not starting at the place that Thomas Rhett was starting from. Okay. Like we know that. And that mm-hmm. is just entirely different. I think men and women do get treated differently in country music, 100%. And I'm guilty of that myself. And I try and I've tried over the last few years, I've tried to be a little bit more aware of that. But it's something that I, I think is that's just working against you moving forward. It very much is, especially, you know, there are a lot of numbers with like country radio, airplay, mm-hmm. and like favoring, just favoring men over women. And there's a lot of stats. Grady Smith, who is, great great youtuber who like digs into country music like talks about a lot of this stuff and is like has very good nuanced takes he's actually the one that pointed out like the thomas rett uh redneck be like thing was 100 in response to walker hayes so got to give credit mm-hmm. there um but yeah there is a lot of stuff that kind of reflects that and vandy is still in that spot we're like okay you got you got a long ways to go long ways to go any other thoughts about any of this all 16. That was a lot of time, a lot of effort that put into this. Yeah, that's one thing we like, like I'm starting to realize is like I'm used to the number 14 and now it's 16. So it's like the conference wide stuff is going to get, we might need to start breaking these up into two parts because there's just so many teams we need to talk about. But yeah, like the, the, that's, I mean, this is, like I said, th- these are the cool things kind of in the offseason that we love to like dig into that, you know, when people are like, oh, are you talking about this? Like my brother, like college football is pretty much 24 seven still, but we're not going to preview spring games all the time. So it's like really cool to like get that personality in there and see like all. And like I said, every time I do one of these, I learn like about an artist or two. I learn a fact about an artist or two very often or very rarely does it make me like them more. Usually Sam it's Hunt like really yeah. DJ Jerkin. Right. <laughs> Like very, very rarely does it make me like the more I'm starting to realize I'm just like, oh, this is like a mid country musician, no harm, no foul. It's like actually they spit a uh a, a, a summer interning for McKinsey, and you're like, uh oh, they end with Raytheon. And so, <laughs> so I don't know, like that that's just really cool. It's it's one of those where it's like I said, it's like the base level understanding is like average. It's like we really get into the nuts and bolts here as we do the most things. So yeah, I think it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, not to be too Thomas Rhett and be obsessed with social media, but what I need people people who have listened to this to do. If you've listened to this entire thing, um, when people have ridiculous comments in, you know, Instagram or Twitter or wherever, you know, Facebook, if this is posted on any of our social media platforms and you see somebody that's just like making the lazy jump, just, Mm -hmm. just drop a little truth bomb on them. Tell them, Hey, send them to the Saturday down South podcast, listen to the entire thing, the entire context. And I promise it'll make more sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Before we kick it to Nolan Smith, quick word from our friends over at underdog sports betting. It is still not legal in a lot of SEC states. How about Kentucky, though? Kentucky changes the game. A lot of SEC states, though, you can't bet on sports. Georgia, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, you know what I'm saying. I want to talk to you about Underdog Fantasy. You might have tried Daily Fantasy in the past, but Underdog is a new platform that's extremely popular right now, and they have some awesome contests where you can compete for real money. It is a great way to scratch that sports betting itch. We have an exclusive arrangement with Underdog. If you go to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash Underdog, you can automatically double your deposit when you join. Sign up, throw in 50 bucks, they'll throw in 50 more dollars. It is a great way to get some money to play in these contests. You can pick higher or lower for different players, pretty similar to sports betting player props, and you can put real money on the line. And like I said, it is legal and live and all all of those states in which gambling on sports is not legal. You can do this. You can win some real money. It is super fun to do while you're watching any sport in your living room at home. Go to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash underdog. Take advantage of our promo where underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. $100 absolutely free. That is SaturdayDownSouth.com slash underdog. All right, here is Nolan Smith. 
Now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is former Georgia star and future first round pick Nolan Smith. I'm just going to will that into existence. That's fine. That You don't have to nod, say yes or no to that one. Uh, Nolan is here on behalf of uh, Six Star Nutrition to promote Walmart's Fight Hunger Spark Change campaign to raise meals for Feeding America. Uh, Nolan, tell us about the fine work that you're doing with, with this campaign. Yes, yes, sir. So, you know, we were Six Star Pro Nutrition and um, Walmart and we teamed up to, you know, feed America. And um, each time you purchase, you know, one of these wheat protein bottles or protein powders at Walmart, they give 10 meals to people that's in need. And um, I think it's one of the big things just for me, just being a child that ate free lunch. And I think a lot of people, you know, through COVID, the numbers of food insecurities and stuff have soared and people have looked to outreach programs to put food on the table. So over 53 million people just reached out to outreach programs to put food on the table alone in the U.S. And just six-star pro-nutrition and Walmart were trying to change that. I, I know you've got a, a big future in the NFL, but you've absolutely got a future maybe doing some public speaking or something like that. Because, man, listening to you here, like here you talk about Georgia when you were at the NFL Combine you had me ready to run through a wall. I have no affiliation in Georgia whatsoever. And I'm like, dude, I'm ready to go, man. Like when you look back on, on your experience there, can you explain kind of why your four years there, I mean, set you up to be in this place where you do want to go in these public places and talk so highly about your university? Um, Just what I've been through at the university of Georgia, just the people that I encountered there and just the people that coach smart brought into us just to talk to us as a team and, you know, they talked to us about being more than just a football player, be a person, be a man of character. And sometimes even if you believe in that, be a man of God at the end of the day. And just being being there with Coach Smart, he just gives you so much off the field stuff that you have no choice but to, you know, build your own character. And just how we show up on time and how we do things at Georgia is just the way that I just felt like I, I need to let people know. <clears throat> You tore up the combine. I mean, uh, the video uh, that Brooks Austin had of you uh, running the forty, and your teammates are watching it. Did did you, did they did you watch like that video of your teammates watching you? Did you see that after the fact? Yes, sir. So I saw that after the fact, and I just thought that was great. Um, no, I didn't see the video until you know the NFL Network showed me. Just because after I talked to my trainer. I didn't get back on my phone. I just was like, I'm done with the phone for the day. It's going to be another no phone day for Nolan. And when they showed me that, I was just like, man, those guys are in the locker room, you know, just after practice. Because I know it was after a Tuesday. Those boys had those pads on and they were sitting there laying up waiting for me and Beefy to run on those beautiful couches, man. And I just it was excited just for them just to know that they cheered me on just after I cheered them on for weeks. If I ran a four three nine like you did, which by the way, second fastest time for uh defensive lineman since two thousand three. If I ran a four three nine, I would get on Twitter just immediately and search my name nonstop. So the fact that you put your phone down in that moment, I think that says a lot about you. Yes, sir. I just, you know, I don't try to let the outside noise, and that's just coming from Georgia. We never let the outside noise in. You know, you have goals and stuff that you want to achieve. And at that time, I didn't achieve my goal just from the numbers that showed up on the board. Okay, so have you run faster than a 4.39? Is that the fastest you would ever run before, or, or have you run better than that? 
I've I've run the uh, I say a little bit better than that. We, me and me and Coach Capretta, that wasn't my best ten yard split neither, and I still hit hit a low number. But we usually my ten yard splits about a, a one five flat, and just really everything else just was taking care of itself. We wasn't worrying about the end number. We were mostly focused on that ten, just because I'm a D lineman. So Nolan Smith gets off to a slow start and still runs a four three nine is what I was what I just heard basically. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's unreal, man. Uh, most number one recruits don't really follow the path that you have. I, I think a lot of number one recruits they expect to be starting right away, or maybe not starting in year one, but starting in year two. And you know, your your path was just different to to be more of a rotational guy your first couple of years, and then you get to start as a junior, explode the second half of that season, and then you know, obviously, what happened to your senior year where your senior season is cut short. If you could have predicted kind of how you thought your college career was going to go back when you were in high school, is this what you thought? Or did you think that you were going to be one of those guys who's like, all right, three years off to the NFL, kind of doing my doing doing the typical number one overall recruit thing? Well, I knew I wasn't going to be a three year off to the NFL type of guy just because of who my mother was. And she wasn't going to let me leave Georgia without getting a degree in something or getting close to the degree or almost just having a, just some some type of seal. And um, she just really didn't let me – she didn't let me have that mindset. She said, you know, it's a privilege to go to college. A lot of people in our family didn't get that privilege. So if you have to stay four years, say you get to stay four years. Don't say you have to do anything because you don't have technically have to do anything. And uh, just talking to her and her raising me all my life when it came to that opportunity – and a lot of people say they want to leave till it's time to leave. And you hear so much about the NFL being a business, and it's not the same. I just decided, you know, just spend one more year here, get my degree, um, and, you know, I stay in me a nice house. I don't stay in a mansion with a pool or, or a rooftop deck or something like some of my other friends. But, you know, I love my life in a little low happens. You got to get the rooftop deck when you get the NFL money. That, that's that's what I'm hearing. You've saved, you've put it off, and now you got to make sure that you get that. Yeah, you know those usually you set goals every year in life, and you know the goals change. They absolutely do, and I think that for those who have kind of followed your your journey and your path, they have nothing but respect for you. And I, I think that seeing the way that things played out, they they made they made so many people feel bad that you weren't able to to kind of experience this incredible year that you guys were on big part of that and what you guys have done the last two years, Brock Bowers. I have this running bit that Brock Bowers is not an actual human being. Um, <laughs> the only thing that makes me think that he might be is he's kind of got the receding hairline going a little bit. But other than that, like, I don't know, I can't really come up with anything. Do you have any sort of uh, reason for me to believe that Brock Bowers is a human being? No, no, I don't have no reason for you to believe he's human. He's probably the most ill human person I've ever seen. He runs 22, 21 on a, on a daily basis. Those are not just – I want people to know those are not like game day numbers. He does that in practice. He does that in scrimmages. He does that all the time. Um, and it's just crazy. You know, I don't think he's human either. I hope this year he's more inhuman. They cheated my dog out to Mackey his freshman year. He's supposed to be a two-time Mackey winner going on his third. So, yeah, no, he's not human. <laughs> how often would you find yourself in practice um like where it would just work out where you were on coverage 
trying trying to guard him. Did that, that ever happen to you? Were you ever put in, in any of those tough spots? Even if it was just like guarding him in the flat or something like that, what 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 would those situations be for you? Yeah, so anytime I got in that situation, I 100% treated him like he was a wide receiver. You know, that was one of those points that I say, hey, I know the defense. I'm an old man, and it's time to do some old man stuff. And, you know, no matter, I'm going to cheat my alignment, and I'm going to make him think I'm playing man, but I'm really playing zone, and I'm going to just try to mess with him a little bit. And, you know, certain times I got him until, you know, after that freshman year, those sophomore years, then he started, you know, to look at people around him and stuff like that. And then he started to get me. So he's a good player. He figured out the zone coverage thing, too. Like that was the big thing with him, where if there was one teeny tiny knock on him his freshman year, it seemed like, all right, well, you, you can kind of see some of the spots where he didn't find the soft spot in the zone, but you can't even do that to him anymore, it feels like. It, there there doesn't feel like there's anything he can't do on a football field. Do How much how much confidence is there that Mike Bob was going to be able to use him in all the same ways that we saw Todd Munkin using him? Man, a tremendous amount of confidence in that, just because he, I wouldn't say he has to, but just all the weapons that we have at Georgia – that Coach Coach Bubble is going to have a field. They just spread the ball around. It's just not like, you know, the 1980 ball that they played back in his day with Coach Smart and them when you got an F back and he's motioning a little bit to run fullback power. It's not that type of football. And, you know, Coach Bobo understands that. And, you know, a lot of the old men change as the game changes and they try to stay young and hip and they come up to you and try to talk just like you. So I say Coach Bobo is going to do an amazing job. All I just heard was Coach Bobo tries to talk just like you. That's, yeah. That was a clear takeaway from that. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do people not know maybe about Stetson Bennett? Man, he's a winner. Um, probably one of the hardest workers. Just, uh, again, misunderstood just because, you know, certain situations happen to guys and the lights get shined a little more on us than what people – what people realize and then when the light gets shined on us during the bad times, people just think, Oh, that's nothing but bad. He's just a bad person or bad character. And I say all my teammates, they're probably with some of the best teammates I ever had in those two years in that locker room. And just from year one to year two, seeing Stetson grow, it's crazy just because he's not that same Stetson Bennett that people seen back then. Stetson Bennett got a dead leg. Now he got some moves. He got some sauce. He got his little fade going. So, you know, I'm all for Stequavius. <laughs> How good can Stequavius be in the NFL? Man, Stequavius is going to be in some on someone's team. One day, some someone's going to need Stequavius, and he's going to win a lot of games for him. Um, a lot of people on the outside are, you know, kind of making their opinions known about Jalen Carter. Um, you've been in those locker room. You've been in that locker room with him. You've been in those meeting rooms with him. Uh, who is Jalen Carter and what has been your interpretation of, of, of him spending all this time with him? Man, one of the nicest guys you will ever meet, one of the strongest people ever, and he's a, a gentle giant. A lot of people just misunderstand him just because he doesn't want to talk to you or doesn't like talking to media. When I say you, I mean like media people. I feel just that. some people, Yeah, some people, some people just don't like media, and it's okay. Um, you shouldn't judge him just – oh, he immediately has bad character because Coach Smart won't let him talk to me. And maybe that's a personal choice. Maybe Coach Smart went to him and asked him to talk about me and he doesn't want to. So you never know, like, and that's why, again, that's why we never listen to the outside noise just because he's not a bad person. He's an amazing teammate. I played, I pass rushed with him along, alongside of him for 
a lot of the snaps because he's our third down guy. And just, man, no matter what you do with him, you run games, you run straight rush, he's going to win. He's going to help you win. And he's going to tell you everything that he's seen on film. So he's just an amazing teammate, really, for me. And a lot of other guys that say the same thing for them. Nolan, this has been great. Uh, I want to get you out of here on some rapid fire. Just five questions. First thing that comes to mind. Does that work for you? Yes, sir. All right. You grew up in Savannah. Is Mrs. Wilkes overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Properly rated. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's it it's is, ridiculous. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, true or false? There's something in the water in Georgia that creates the best at- the best athletes in the United States. True. Yeah, that's. I didn't even have to ask you that. I don't know why I asked you that. <laughs> um, had you stuck with running back, like you played early on in high school, what would you have been able to do at that position at the college level? Man, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like it just because I got cut all the time. But I was. I was a league rusher in, at Georgia, in Georgia State history. And I just, most people don't know that, but you know, those are little fun facts. Uh, okay. You're a math major. Do you know how many years it's been since a, a team three peated? Ooh, that's different. I thought she was going to ask me a math question. Uh, <laughs> that is a math question if oh, you know actually, the answer to the other part. Yeah, because you no, know, Bama only two peated. 1936 no. Minnesota is the last no. team of three pitted. So quick math. Can you do that quick math in your head? 1936. Oh, 2003 minus 1936. That's about 80. No. Yep. Five, six, 86. It, eight. No. 80. It's 87. 87. That is the correct and final answer. All right. You passed. Yeah. Your, your degree is legit. I believe you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Um, you know that nobody said that you guys were going seven and five last year, right? <laughs> yes yeah yeah you know you got to create the own narrative man sometimes you know you got to put the chip on your own shoulder but we did have a humongous target on our back as we saw in the missouri game that's very true very true but i, I just needed that to be known of like we're not that <laughs> dumb we're dumb we're not that dumb <laughs> yeah you know sometimes you got to juice it up for the guy especially when you're old man last year i just wanted everybody to know i said it i said it the whole summer they gonna think we're going seven and five guys. They ain't even thinking about a two P. So you made that entire thing up. You just picked that out of the air. You're like, all right, I'm just gonna throw seven and five. That sounds disrespectful enough. Yeah, seven and five is like disrespectful enough. And that's what like Coach Smart did. I think not to disrespect any of the other teams, but I think Coach Smart went like eight and four, like his first year. So I was like, yeah, seven and five though sounds better. And it sounds better off the tongue. Seven and five. 75. You're exactly whisper. right. 75. They, they say we're going 75, guys. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Nolan, really, really appreciate it. Uh, everybody, go to your local Walmart, Six Star Nutrition, pick up that whey protein. You're going to help out a great, great campaign. Uh, wish you all the best, man. Seriously, best of luck at everything you got lying ahead. Yes, sir. So appreciate you. Um, yeah, everyone, go. Go to Walmart. You know, you can help get 10 meals provided for those in need and just really spark a change in America and really help people. Love it. Love it. Great, great stuff, man. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll have to do this again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, though, man. What's my destiny, Mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. 
Life is a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're going to get. Figuring out, we're talking getting out of your comfort zone. By the way, doing this part solo, uh, Will's got a wild, weird work schedule today. Um, so yeah, we were able to record the first part together, but doing this part solo, um, I feel like I have been in a lot of situations the last few months personally in which I have been forced to get outside of my comfort zone. Part of that being as a first-time parent, a lot of new experiences ahead that are totally unfamiliar. I did not have, I wasn't like an older sibling who took care of my younger sibling growing up. I didn't grow up with a bunch of uh, like babies that I um, ever took care of, like never did babysitting or anything like that. So a lot of these experiences before our, our daughter even gets here, like that, that is all new and outside of our comfort zone. And there are things kind of within that, that have forced me to um, be put in spots that I don't usually thrive in but that's just kind of the way that that you have to the, the way that you have to do things when you have a wife who's seven months pregnant uh one of those being we usually uh, probably come pretty close to splitting meal prep for the week and i have been doing a lot of cooking lately and doing recipes that are not necessarily in my main repertoire uh, I hyped myself up for my ability to cook grilled cheese, green chili, turkey burgers. Your boy can do that at a very elite level. Um, but yeah, just like cooking new things. I mean, everybody kind of goes through that at some point, like a recipe has to be new at some point if you're going to use it, but it's even kind of more than that. I mean, just, just little things of, oh, calling up daycare places and talking to to, to people to schedule tours and, and whatnot and taking care of certain responsibilities that are, you know, just not typically stuff that I've had to do. That is getting outside of my comfort zone. I put myself in these situations from time to time and I don't do it often enough, but I've put myself in a couple of spots where I've really forced myself to get outside of my comfort zone with just even being in the organizations that I'm involved with here in Orlando and um, one of the, the reasons why I do stuff like that are like, I've talked about Horizon Scholars before, um, New Hope for Kids, which deals with grieving kids who are going through who are going through a loss of a loved one. Those organizations have helped me get outside of my comfort zone. And it's been a little bit therapeutic in that way. And whenever, <laughs> some, every once in a while, like all of somebody asked me, I used to do bell choir before, uh, like kind of before the pandemic and everything. And um, one of the things that, that I would get asked, like, why, why would you, why do you do something like that? You're like 25 years younger than, than the second youngest person in this, in bell choir. Like, why, why do you do that? And it's like, it's kind of like getting outside of my comfort zone every once in a while and forcing yourself to, to learn a new skill. I think that's part of the human experience that, um, is really easy to take for granted. And I forced myself to learn how to kind of sort of read music. Not really. Don't ask me a whole lot about it now. I'm a little bit rusty. Um, but I think it's part of the reason why people like traveling to places where they don't even know the language and they like immersing themselves in a new culture or something like that. I think there are great benefits as human beings in getting to do something like that and go to a place that might be really intimidating to you on the outside, but you kind of go through it and you, you 
develop new skills that you didn't even realize that you had. And I am admittedly not good at that. And I, I think part of that is because I live with someone and have chosen to spend my life with someone who is so good at that. And that's where Lauren truly thrives. I talked about that um, with the the figuring out and um, what I do best. And for me, it's it's always just been about my routine, where I feel comfortable, and I can be really good and really schedule oriented. But I think for people that go through that, like myself, sometimes it's difficult to want to put yourself out there. It's Friday night. Let's go to a new restaurant. Even that is kind of getting outside of your comfort zone a little bit, ordering something off the menu that you've never tried before, doing an activity that's social that you've never done or you know, even like my buddies will, will ask me, I have like a couple of buddies here who I play golf with like just every couple months, nothing crazy like that. But I, every single time I play with them, it's on a new course that I've never been to before. And yeah, that's an easy way. To, like I'll, I, any guy will, who likes golf will willingly get outside of their comfort zone and go to a different course that they haven't been for before in the name of playing golf yourself and myself included. Uh, but even just showing up to a place I've never been before and maybe golfing with, you know, one guy I know and two guys I don't know, I kind of take that opportunity as like, okay, like a, I, I'm looking forward to to getting to to talk to somebody that I've never met before. Like last week, I got to golf with a, a Florida grad named Elvis. That's his real name, Elvis. This is an awesome dude. Spent like an entire afternoon just like chatting up with this guy. Incredible, you know, experience that if I had just kind of shut myself off and been like, ah, this is kind of outside of my comfort zone to to you know to talk to a stranger in this situation. Like we're sharing a cart. Um, you know, I could have missed out on being able to talk to a really interesting dude who's got some wild life experiences. And instead, I'm kind of glad that I put myself in that spot. So um, I thought this would be an interesting thing to do because when you're a kid, kind of in some ways, everything is outside of your comfort zone while also not being outside of your comfort zone. And as an adult, your comfort zone is a lot more entrenched. What do you like to do? What do you not like to do? And having the freedom to say, I just don't want to do that thing we can very easily fall into our routines. And there's there's a lot of benefits to having a routine and having structure. But I just think that this is something that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot as an adult of, of getting outside of your comfort zone and doing things that are atypical. So let's go to the Saturday on South podcast Facebook group. Let's start with this one from Michael Dark. Michael says, my wife and I are both educators during the COVID shutdown. We reevaluated our lives as we entered our 30s and decided to start over and move our family to Savannah from the Atlanta area. We had zero connections personally and professionally in coastal Georgia, but we wanted to live closer to the beach and away from the big city for the first time in our lives. After two years, my wife has been promoted. My kids are the big fishes in a small pond and Georgia has more national championships (laughs) than games lost since we moved. Uh, yeah, Michael, you are directly responsible for Georgia winning a national championship. You know, a little butterfly effect, a butterfly effect moving while I always say it is the worst thing that we as human beings do regularly. It is a great opportunity to kind of get yourself into a, a, a new area and kind of learn about yourself. I mean, I, I pride myself on the fact that when I was applying for jobs coming out of college and even before I came down here, I wasn't really geographically restricted. Now I, okay. 
I guess I was in a way because the very first job offer that I got, and I've, I've talked about this before, was in Yuma, Arizona, which is roughly like 10 miles from Mexico. I was okay with being far from home. That was a little bit far and a little bit too far from an airport, especially when you've got family in the suburbs of Chicago and a girlfriend, soon to be fiance, soon to be wife, who is still in uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, actually, no, Lauren was in Lafayette at the time, but that was a little bit too far. Moving and doing so in this way to go into a place where you just know nobody. Sometimes you are put in spots where you see how how easy did you maybe have it before and how much do you kind of have to work for those relationships in your life. And I, I think that you can grow so much and and provide something in your life that not a lot of people have, man. Like, I don't know what the percentages of people that never live 20 minutes outside of their hometown, but it's high. It is high. And because that's that's your comfort zone. You know, I, I love that my mom right now is going through these new experiences uh, with her boyfriend that she's been dating for like three and a half years and they, they travel a ton. And I, I love it because my mom is someone who lived her entire life in the state of Illinois. She has, with the exception of college, I mean, she went to U of I with the exception of spending that time there. She's really lived like within a 25 mile radius of the same place, like her entire life. And my in-laws too, same sort of deal where, you know, pretty much like within a half hour, that's where they've lived their entire lives. But um, I think seeing the world and seeing kind of what's out there and getting outside of your comfort zone in that way is a really hard thing to pull the trigger on. It's always this thing that's off in the distance of, ah, you know, one day we'll we'll eventually move here. We'll, we'll do this. We'll just pick up and and leave this life as we know it. It's kind of this, this weird adult fantasy, but so many people struggle with actually being able to make that step. So credit to you, Michael, for being willing to, to, to kind of put your, your life in Atlanta, like on the back burner and being able to, to enter into a new chapter. Let's go to this one from Emery. Uh, Emery says, friends of mine have been trying to convince me to do open mic stand-up comedy in the Savannah area. Savannah's hot today. I haven't done it yet, but I've got some bits written down. I hate crowds in general and definitely hate speaking in front of crowds. Ironic for someone who has a podcast, uh, but I'm going to to do it soon. I'll let y'all know how terrible I am. It is terrifying. It is terrifying. And that's something in this background, Emery's right. When you do have a podcast and you speak for a living, there's this assumption that you can just get, get in front of people and not have any nerves whatsoever. That's not the case at all. I'm, I'm sitting here not not talking in front of a crowd of actual human beings. If I recorded a live podcast for every single episode, I get really used to it. But you still get some of those shitters. And that's that's probably not going away. I had a public speaking thing I did in Nebraska where I realized how bad I was at public speaking. And it was bad to the point. I think my voice cracked once or twice. It was bad to the point where afterwards I told myself, you need to get more comfortable with this because you're hopefully the goal is to get in more situations like this in which you're kind of just out there and reps. It's all about reps, 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 reps. And I remember going into our live show in 2018 that we did. OG listeners of the pod might know this. We did at the Battery before the SEC championship that year. 
And I was really, really nervous, really nervous going into the day. And then you kind of get the microphone and sometimes you either your heart, it, it, it starts beating even faster or you just have this calm. And I remember that day, I just kind of had that calm when I got the mic in my hand. And I don't necessarily know why. I think it was because I was comfortable talking about SEC football. I was comfortable relating to people, being able to have a conversation and feeling like I was just going to be able to, we were going to be able to get through it. Marler was right there with me too. So like we could play off of each other and it's just all about feeling comfortable. Now going up on an open mic night where you're kind of by yourself, you're obviously a little bit more vulnerable, but like, yeah, I mean, even the next year when we did that live show in Atlanta, College Football Hall of Fame, and you know, a little bit of a, of a different atmosphere, a little bit more like, all right, you know, we don't want to look like the guys who are fumbling over our words the entire time. And I I had this odd calm and I couldn't tell you where it came from because I, I truly didn't have a lot of reps speaking in front of people. But I had this like odd calm beforehand, whereas like Marler, you know, if you know, if you know Marler and you know kind of the way that he he fires himself up a little bit, like he gets a little bit nervous before this stuff. And that's somebody who has a ton of reps doing stand up. And, you know, I, th- I think that's just kind of the way that, that he operates sometimes. And maybe that also kind of helps him bring out the best version of himself. And Marler was was great that night. It didn't impact him whatsoever. But you kind of get get that moment, and it's either you know it's put up or shut up time. That's that's kind of what it's all about. And it's all about being comfortable and confident in yourself. If you have those things, and if you trust in what you're talking about, it makes a world of difference. And it kind of makes a skill that can seem really foreign just like that. You're like. Boom. I feel I feel good about this. Even talking on a podcast, which some people do, I'm sure listeners like Emery, if you have your own, if you have your own podcast, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to football. But if you have your own podcast related to anything, you know that reps is the key. Reps, reps is the key to your comfort zone and getting outside of it and then making something like that part of your comfort zone. This is not part of my comfort zone. Five years ago, no way. Absolutely not. It's kind of terrifying to be honest with you, but everything like that takes time. Definitely do the open mic night. Definitely send me a video afterwards. Drew Page says, uh, here recently I changed jobs over three years of being a uh, phlebotomist. phlebotomist. So it was definitely getting out of my comfort zone. Gosh, I just butchered that horribly. Uh, going from something I was really good at uh, into a, a totally new role altogether. I think people stay in jobs because of how comfortable it is. I do. Now there's a little, I I push back on that. I've met people that they go from job to job to job. I'm like, you should get a comfort zone. (laughs) A comfort zone would really suit you really well. Instead of going from job to job, to job, to job all the time. And and to me, that just seems so uncomfortable uh, to a fault, but it is really, really difficult. You can talk about it and Everybody at some point, probably, maybe it's, I don't know how often you think about it, but you think about if there's a better opportunity for you. And even if you aren't necessarily career oriented, there's probably some job that you've thought of that you've said, oh, wouldn't it be great to be able to do this one day? And then like moving, and those two things are often synonymous with one another, it is so difficult to sit there and say, would I actually be willing to do this? Or would I find an excuse not to? Maybe I won't be good enough. And it's hard. It's it's really hard to get into that place, as Drew talks about, 
where you're going to a totally new role. If you told me tomorrow, Connor, you're actually not going to be writing or talking about anything college football related. You are going to be instead covering golf or something. I I would be, I'd be really stressed. Oh, by the way, your first assignment is the master's. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, no, that would never happen. But let's just say theoretically something like that did happen. There would be probably a couple of months, three, four, five months in which I would feel like everything I do is outside of my comfort zone. And it would make me sort of regret that like to a certain extent. And I I had that when I first came down here and I was writing for our Big Ten site with Saturday Tradition. And I have moments where I'm writing all these news stories. I'm writing about like ah, Rutgers starting receiver Leonte Carew is out for this game or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, it, should I be doing this? Should I just go back to Nebraska and write about high school sports because I really feel, feel like I was figuring things out and I had great relationships with with the people there and and I could do that job. I know I could do that job. I understand, you know, how things operate, how things work. That everything just kind of made sense to me being out there for two and a half years. Should I just like go back to that? And I, yeah, I mean, I've been lying. Like I, I had those moments, but I'm grateful that I didn't necessarily give in to that, even though that was still my comfort zone. You grow by getting outside of your comfort zone. I think that's that's the clear takeaway from this. And while it is great to have roots, it's great to have things in your life that provide comfort. I think we should always be searching for some of those new experiences. We should. I don't know what that's going to look like for me like 10 years from now. I think being a parent kind of dictates a lot of what your comfort zone is and isn't. And maybe my idea of getting outside of my comfort zone will be something totally foreign like later on. Like the idea of coaching to me is way outside of my comfort zone. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this saying, I coach Little League, I coach softball. My 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 new buddy Elvis, he coaches volleyball. He coaches his girls' volleyball teams. And like I hear the idea of that. I think, oh man, you want to rely on me to come up with a, a game plan, a strategy. My job is to criticize that. That's what I'm I'm here to do and here to talk about and tell those stories about like why something worked, why something didn't work. And I guess I have part of that down. But the idea of coaching a a youth sports team to me sounds so much like it's outside of my comfort zone. When in reality, if I just kind of mentally prepared for that, and if I told myself, you're just going to have to do this and figure it out, I'd probably be okay. But it's terrifying. And so many things are, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things that I'll experience uh, in this next chapter of my life that are just going to be way outside the comfort zone. Playing with dolls, man. That's if, if our daughter chooses to play with dolls. Yeah. Outside of the comfort zone going to have to make an adjustment. What do you mean you don't want to go get basketball cards? That's not what you want to do? You sure you don't want to you know, throw the baseball around? Maybe she will. I don't know. Maybe she won't. But there, there's going to be adjustments made from, from yours truly. And I'm sure that I'll have lots of stories and many future figuring outs to talk about that. Um, apologies again for the length of this episode. I realized this went a little bit long. I wanted to put the time and effort into that. 
into um, SEC teams as country artist 2.0 uh, that I thought it deserved. So hopefully you enjoyed that. If you haven't, leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SES pod at Sat Down South. Subscribe to our basketball newsletter, Blue Chip Grit. You can do that at bluechipgrit.com. Join the Facebook group and hear your name right on air with figuring out what bold and brash. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.